This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Hello, you numpties. This is the villain, Marty Skell, and you're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 108. I'm Nick Howell. And more obnoxious than Dean Ambrose Sirens, I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome (laughs) to the show this week. We are coming off arguably one of the worst Raws in recent memory, and so WWE had a lot of... uh, they had, they, had some, they, had a, they had a bridge to, to cross. They had a, a hill to climb yeah. this week for us. But we had a lot of other things besides just Raw. We had, uh, we had SmackDown, obviously. NXT we had, had a pretty solid show, I would say, this week as well. We had 205 Live we're going to talk about. The New Japan Tag League, World Tag League, is wrapping up. We're down to the last little bit. We're getting close to the end of Mixed Match Challenge. It's the end of the year, and things are starting to, to wrap up for the end of the year in a lot of different wrestling organizations. So we have to talk about... All of that on another gargantuan, massive, wonderful show of ours. But before we get to that, Nick, how about we do some housekeeping? Yes, as we always do, uh, right here on the Busted Wide Open podcast, head over to Facebook, join the Busted Wide Open discussion group. That's where all all the things go down, and it's the hub of our operation. You can interact with all of the fans of the Busted Wide Open podcast, get in on some insider conversations around pay-per-views and all kinds of good stuff there. You can also hit us up on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Follow us on and subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. Be sure to hit that little notification bell so you get alerted anytime we put up new content there on our channel. Last but certainly not least, if you love what we do and want to support this show, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of our kick-ass tiers, such as the $5 tier, where you can get a copy of show notes, Submit listener questions, all kinds of good stuff. Yes, we're about, what, 10 days away as we're recording right now from TLC? Yeah, we're getting close uh, the, to the that. final uh, pay-per-view of the year. Yeah, Ring of Honor also has its uh, its Final Wars or... Uh was it? It's Final Wars, right? Final Battle. Final or Battle. Like that? That's thank you. Final Battle. Yeah. Good God, it's coming up uh, that same weekend. Uh, like I said, New Japan's Tag League is finishing up on the, on the ninth. Will be the final show there, uh, including not only will be the finals of the Tag League, but you've got Kota Ibushi versus Hiroki Goto for the Never Openweight Belt. Uh, so Ooh. there's a lot of stuff coming up before this year closes out. And uh, even NXT had some stuff to give us that we're going to have some some big stuff coming up before the end of the year. So there's a lot to, to get through, Nick. But uh, before we get into all of that, we have to talk about the big news. 
Well, the big news segment this week, unfortunately, is a bit somber. Um, we we had two losses this week in, in uh, wrestling. One of them, we had two losses. There's a lot of people passed away this week, man. It was yeah. Well, in wrestling, sure, I, I agreed. But uh, the first uh, Dynamite Kid. Uh, it's it's questionable whether or not. And it was noticeable that there was no real celebration or call out mm. uh, that I can remember uh, across the shows this week. It was certainly announced on Facebook and and on that. But from as far as legacy goes, Ian, why why do you think that they would not? spend more time uh, celebrating his legacy? Well, for one thing, I think that he passed away after a lot of the shows were, were completed. You know what I mean? I think the only sure. show that they could have really said anything about it on was NXT, and he really had no relevance to NXT. So I think we might see something about him next week, uh, including the other person who passed away this week, and that's Larry Hennig, passed away, uh, was axe. announced earlier today. The Axe! Larry Hennig, yeah, the father of Kurt and uh, grandfather of Joe Hennig, also known as Curtis Axel. Um, which uh, his last name Axel comes from his grandfather. That's where that yeah. came from. Um, Larry Hennig was a he was a very big deal back in the sixties and seventies. Teamed up with Harley Race, a lot of IWA stuff. Uh, he Bruno San Martino uh, challenged him for the title. I can remember that one. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, when you hear people. Curtis for for modern fans, uh, though, when you hear Curtis Axel is a third generation superstar. Also, former Intercontinental Champion. I think that gets passed over too much. Uh, <laughs> he is the grandson of the now late Larry Hennig, the Axe yeah. Hennig. And uh, also uh, father to Mr. Perfect. Yep. You may have heard Mr. Perfect's name thrown around. So, yeah, I, I think he is. he has such a legacy um, and a heritage, especially in the last 30 to 40 years uh, of wrestling through Mr. Perfect and through Curtis Axel. And I, it was great. I think the last time we saw him was uh, he asked, it was when Ryback and Curtis Axel were on went to Survivor Series yeah. that match that they had, and he he uh, escorted or however you say joining him to the to the ring. So it's you know that one's a bit more somber than I don't know enough about Dynamite Kid to have an opinion one way or another. Yeah, I want to talk about um, Kid in a second. I'm, I want to get to the let's, yeah. let's do the happy stuff with Larry Hennig first because I mean he actually did have sure. a good reputation. He was originally known as, as Pretty Boy uh, Larry Hennig. You know before he was before he was the Axe. He didn't get the Axe until he was working with the, the WWF with like you said Bruno San Martino, Pedro Morales, yeah, late seventies, uh, mid to late, yeah. Um, but you know, then, and his, uh, it was a lariat that was actually his, his ax move was a really nasty clothesline, the original clothesline from L. Um, but you know, yeah, he was a, he was a pretty big deal back in the day. A lot of tag teams, like I said, with, 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 uh, Harley race, dusty Rhodes, but you know, he was, a, he was a big deal for a long time. Um, and obviously his legacy carries on through his two kids, Mr. Perfect, who is obviously a legend who was gone too soon and his passing really, uh, hurt Larry. And, and then of course now Curtis Axel, who's obviously still going. So, you know, definitely a long legacy there. Uh, but uh, as we said, we really, there's, there's more to talk about, I think, um, with Dynamite Kid, because that's a little bit tougher of a one to deal with. Like, you you know, you want to be respectful of the, the, the dead when they pass and, and all of that, but it's impossible really to truly say, well, I'm sorry that, that Dynamite Kid passed away because he is such a complicated, difficult figure in professional wrestling history. The guy was notoriously not a good guy. He was the original locker room bully, uh, really nasty ribs like like that this were that that went above and beyond um what you really can locker room talk. It, yeah, it's above and beyond like even 
like JBL is kind of the recent punching bag as far as lock and Randy Orton, as far as locker room shenanigans. Right. Um, but you know, he, he, they, they never lit someone on fire (laughs) or as as a rib or like, uh, suplexed someone off of a bar stool or got into fights in bathrooms or pulled a shotgun on their wife. Like dynamite kid had a very, like he was notoriously had a bad temper and was a, a kind of a dick. Um, and again, speak ill of the dead, but you know, this is one thing. If you read his biography, uh, they really omit a lot of this stuff. And he openly admitted to some of it, like the shotgun incident and the rest of it. Like this was stuff that he, he openly said, I don't regret any of it. Uh, and he was known for being really stiff in the ring. You know, the most famous one of course is because it came out was when Mick Foley was an enhancement talent and he was supposed to be jobbing to, to dynamite kid kid famously broke his jaw, uh, because he hit him so hard. That's just what he did. He was known for being stiff. But the thing is, he's also one of the most influential wrestlers of all time. As far as the junior heavyweight division, you know, his matches with Tiger Mask over in in Japan are some of the most watershed moments for a smaller size wrestler and how you can work that style, not the old kind of more slow, methodical wrestling style, how you can have like more high impact, uh, high flying moves. He was the, one of the templates for that, and not even not only that, but he was also the template for uh, a lot of like what tag team wrestling could be when he was with the British Bulldogs, with Davy Boy Smith. Like a lot of the stuff that they that he pulled off with that um, was revolutionary for the tag division. You know where you usually had a lot of smaller guys, uh, and he could she showcased what you could do with that. So it's really tough to uh, to to say you know I well rest in peace dynamite kid because i i really i can't think kindly of him but at the same time i'm grateful for his contributions to professional wrestling so it's he's a difficult figure uh but uh he, he passed away on his birthday at 60 years old and oh. um yeah still, still pretty young but he was you know he's been in a wheelchair yeah. since i what 97 he's been in a wheelchair because of all his steroid abuse and how much abuse he gave his body and all the rest of it. Um, it's also worth noting, like I don't want to dwell on the negativity here, but one more thing. Um, another name that will always be linked to him was his number one protege who also had his problems with domestic violence and, and uh, <laughs> to put it mildly, and his number one protege was Chris Benoit, another, another guy who is you know widely considered one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, but you know, involved in a murder suicide. He killed his wife and kid and then hung himself. So it's, that's also a direct lineage of dynamite kid. It's a really difficult thing to talk about, uh, and really put into perspective because do you celebrate it's, it's the classic thing. Do you celebrate the art or the artist? And it's another, it's another example of how much are you willing to forgive of the man to be able to celebrate his art? And that's really, I think the best thing I could say about Dynamite Kid is, is that uh, absolutely indispensable for the industry as an artist, but really not worth celebrating as a human being. Mm, that's fair. That's good. Uh, well, we weren't done with the, the passings uh, for the week, but there was one more that was kind of that something that happened this week in wrestling. And, but to do that, we need to head over and talk about what went down on Monday Night Raw. So, Ian, I'm going to temper this um, with, I'm going to preface this, I should say, with we don't get political on this show. No. And 
this is but but it was very interesting because I don't remember that's not true that's not true I I don't have a lot of memories of times of non-wrestling figures getting 10 bell salutes yes this week we got a 10 bell salute at the top of raw before they even rolled the intro video package and theme for George HW Bush yes. And regardless of where your politics lie, regardless of where you uh, stand on him as a person or as his political leanings, all of those things, the man was a World War II veteran. He was the last uh, living of the statesmen who served in World War II, as far as I know. I think I heard that somebody shot say down over Japan. Actually, it was it, yeah. shot down over Japan with his entire platoon, and was the only one, uh, or he was flying, and everybody else was uh, was killed, unfortunately, in the crash. Uh, but he was a, he survived. So I I want to honor his, honor his service. I, I not only that, but his history of public service uh, from that point forward. Uh, whether it was in Texas or whether it was in the federal Head government, of the CIA. Yeah, you know, yeah. he definitely. It, there, there were certainly a lot of things that he was involved with that, with, that were questionable. <laughs> Wait, we're not. We're not here to he talk was about ever that. President, it's a wrestling show, but damn we're it. not going <laughs> to. <laughs> this isn't the Oliver North oh, show. Oh, I mean, go ahead. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Had to slide it in there. Uh, no, this is this is a wrestling show, but that's the thing. It's a re- we are a wrestling show. We're supposed to talk about wrestling, but the first thing we're talking about wrestling this week, once we get to Monday Night Raw, is H.W. Bush because they had a ten bell salute for him. Now the question is, did they do that only because they were in Texas this week and they wanted to create a connection with the audience at the top of the show, or was there something else here? Because as you said there's a lot of people that pass away that they don't give 10 bell salutes to right, uh, right. you know and major figures uh whether it's politics or in in culture and they don't give them 10 bell salutes so i can only think i mean obviously it's it's uh, as you said we try not to get political on here unless it's like crown jewel or something and we're kind of forced to so speculating i think might might tip into the, the political spectrum um you know saying something like how uh vince's wife is on the current administration's cabinet and that sort of thing and the connections there to speculate on that i think might be going too far um because that we really have no idea and i think that it might just be safe to say we started this show off with this 10 bell salute for H Dub because of where we were, and if we were in Philadelphia, we might not have had it or something like that. You know what sure. I mean? It was just and curious. I think it's pretty well known as well that the McMahon family is friends with the extended. Well, but that's Bush what family. I'm saying. That's the kind of speculation so, yeah. that I you know could could lean political a little too easily, and so. Well, no. If I had a multi-billion-dollar show that was shot live, and one of my good friends just passed away, I'd honor him. So it's one of those things that I have to, again, put the politics stuff aside. Yes, he was president. Fine. They were honoring one of their friends. Yes, they were in Texas. That's really what I boil it down I mean, but that, that's the thing is that it's, it's, if it's one of your friends and it's easy to be taken as being uh, politically partisan, and, and uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot to unpack just in the fact that they, they did this. Um, and again, I, I would feel uncomfortable on a, a non-political show speculating on what that that particular partisan leading yeah. might be. So we'll leave it at that. It was just an interesting note that uh, they gave a 10-bell salute to someone who absolutely had nothing to do with wrestling. So that was that was odd. I mean, you'd think that they would celebrate Lincoln's birthday. At least he was a wrestler. Anyway, I'm going off on a, a random... Ah, hey, 
no, no, no. I'm sorry, Nick. I know we'd rather talk about this, but we do have to talk about Nia Jax. I'm sorry, brother. It's it's we actually can we just go back and talk politics <laughs> about what, what George Bush did in the 80s? No, we have to talk about Nia Jax because she was all over the show this week along with Ronda Rousey because they do have an upcoming match at TLC. And so they had business all across the show. We opened the show with what was supposed to be a tag match between Nia Jax and Tamina and Ronda Rousey and her buddy Natalia. Uh, but that match never got started because the riot squad came out, interrupted everything. There was a big brouhaha and Natty ended up getting put through a table by the riot squad. Uh, a very cool combination, super kick and double power bomb. By the way, I like that a lot. It was a cool, that was, that was pretty innovative. Cool I like spot. That. Um, but I, I, are we, are we stuck in this like time warp loop of deja vu where we're just kind of getting these same feud presentations over and over again. Yes, Nia and Tamina are big. Yes, we get it. Yes, Ronda Rousey's crazy, and she's going to take down the two big bads. <laughs> and just Oh, here comes the riot squad. Oh, Natalia's got her back. Nope, here comes the riot so, squad to, to interfere. Well, well, now hold on. I'm, I'm just getting this trope. is It's turning into a well, trope. Well, here's the thing. is the, Our issue with it uh, in recent weeks has been, what's the end game? Why have all these people? Uh, this, this is something that's going to be like how we criticize this show is what is your point in telling us these particular stories? Is there an end game to it? Is there a point or are you just throwing stuff at the wall uh, to fill time? And that's really the big critique of Raw. Last week was one of the worst revo- reviewed Raws in recent memory. Uh, this week was reviewed a little bit better, but it still was not a great show by any stretch. But there was a lot more connections made, partially because they're trying to now build these matches for TLC. And at the time when we were watching the show, I kind of went, what? And I said this last week, what's the connection between the Riot Squad and Natalia? Why is this continuing to be a part of Ronda and Nia's feud? And that was answered actually later in the week after Raw. And that was they announced on Twitter that Ronda, that, excuse me, Ruby Riot and Natalia will have a match at TLC and given the fact she was put through a table I can only imagine it will be a tables match so that ended up making sense that particular aspect ended up making sense uh, as a result of this as you said Rhonda went back and found Alexa Bliss started yelling at her said that she wanted to have another match against uh, Tamina and Nia later in the show and uh, when Alexa offered to pick her tag partner Rhonda said I don't trust you I'll pick my own Unsurprisingly, seeing as she was the only woman who didn't have anything to do this week, it ended up being Ember Moon. And we had a, a nice little mid-show promo from Nia Jax and Tamina scaring the crap out of poor little Charlie Caruso, uh, saying that they didn't care who it was, they were going to kick her butt. Now, this was, I want to talk about this promo before we go on to the, the later tag match, because this was an interesting promo from Nia. It was, on the one hand, I liked certain aspects of it because she came across as being very quiet and scary and menacing. And then other parts where I felt like she couldn't remember her lines. And one part in particular, Nick, that you pointed out before we started recording today, (laughs) where like a petulant school kid that just screams has no, I have no control over the volume of my voice. We can't even imitate it because we don't want to blow out our mics. She screamed at Charlie Caruso at one point so loud that the mic blew out and it was, it was effective because it made me jump and it made the audience jump. She got a reaction for it, but it was, I don't know. It, I I don't think it had the effect she wanted it. It jarred them from their slumber (laughs) is what it did. I did like the fact that she was threatening Charlie, that Tamina was kind of there being scary. Like there was, there was aspects of this that I liked and aspects of this. I was like, it's still not quite working. I don't know if, cause this, this was the main feud of the show was the, the Ronda Naya stuff. I don't know if there was enough meat here and enough, uh, 
mm, capability on either of their parts to really carry this through the whole show in terms of promos and everything. But uh, I mean, at least they tried something here. I'll give them that. They tried something a little different. You know what I mean? It's better than her her yeah. regular uh, uh, presentation. So I'll give them that. I just, you know, I, I don't get, you, you've got Ruby Riot sitting there. You've got, uh, <laughs> that's else? the problem. Exactly. There, there's, there's that you've got several, you could put Sarah Logan up there potentially just as, even if it's just a squat, but I just, I don't get, I mean, friggin' Tamina couldn't even take a cross body off the top rope from, uh, was it Ember? Later on, so I just, what are we doing here, guys? Why are we investing so much into into two women that clearly just are not but up here, for but it, it, or that are just not given good the enough. history of WWE? It makes sense to me. It's a partly about the imposing figures that they cut. They are they are big uh, women who are physically imposing, especially against someone like Ronda Rousey, who is you know, a live athletic looking woman. So physically in the, when you just look at it, uh, on paper, it's, it's already an interesting showcase between the two. It makes it look like Rhonda is, uh, outmatched, you know, because she's got these two monsters and that was kind of shown in the later tag match where you've got Ember Moon and Rhonda, both much smaller than Tamina and Nia fighting upwards against them because of just the, the brute force. And that's a trope that goes a long way back in WWE. If you're, if you're big and scary and imposing, you don't have to have a ton of talent. Obviously, at some point with people like that, whether it's Snitsky or, or, or whoever, like at some point it, it'll catch up to you. Uh, Nails, remember Nails? Yeah, of course. Uh, it, it'll catch up I, to you. I if you, grant if you, you Naya is big, but scary and imposing, no. She sounds like like a valley girl, like yeah, which is why I think with that promo, yeah. they, that's what I'm saying. With that promo, they tried to change that up and make her a little bit more imposing on the mic. They're trying something new. The thing that I don't like, the thing that I don't like, is the fact that they think that her her X Pac heat from punching Becky in the face is something that they need to build her entire character around, and I don't think they realize that that's not the kind of heat you want on your character. Like that's not. I think they're, maybe they're trying to 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 save it or something, save that heat uh, and turn it away from X Pac heat into actual like character heat, but it's not working. People are just like you are, where they're annoyed by her. They 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 don't like her as a performer. I, I not, mute my television you know I mean? when she comes on the screen. Honestly, it's, that's what it's, I mean. That's how that's, bad it is for me at this point. That's the bad kind of heat. That's the go away heat, and that's not the kind of heat you want and that's the one aspect of this whole thing i think that they're wrong-headed about they're not wrong to well it's all take well, an if, injury it's angle fine like if that you're doing it in the middle of the card it's not okay when you've got your top superstar right ronda rousey intermixed with all of this it's fine to I have it going this on week. as background noise but when you're dealing with like the championship come on guys yeah, well, even then, like I could see it, I could see it working. But there's there's two things this week, and one is that it's just it's become almost an ongoing joke of how unsafe Nia is to the point that Ember Moon's husband tweeted about it online <laughs> that he was scared about his wife getting hurt by an unsafe worker. He immediately deleted it, but still got some flack. <laughs> of course, you know, of course, like I didn't even know that. That's brilliant. Don't bite the hand that feeds you, bro. Jesus, you're on the Indies. Your wife is in the big leagues. Calm down, man. Uh, <laughs> but on the other, the other aspect of it, uh, you know, it's, it's Naya is, 
another example of where they've taken real life heat and tried to turn it into storyline, whether it's Owen Hart breaking Steve Austin's neck, Seth Rollins crushing John Cena's nose, um, you know, I broke Wahoo's leg, go back to Hammer Valentine. We've talked about that. We talked about how this is not the first time they've gone for this kind of heat on an injury angle. The difference is all those people I just mentioned were known safe workers and it was a fluke accident. This is, and the audience could, I know people that still haven't forgiven Owen Hart, even after his tragic death, they still are like, yeah, screw that guy. He injured Stone Cold. You know what I mean? Like there's, they still hold on to it. Um, but you could still turn it around and say, yeah, but except for that, Owen was really safe and a really good worker. Naya doesn't have that to fall back on. So people who look at this aren't looking at it and having fun with hating her on the injury angle. They're just saying, dude, screw you. And, and, and screw this angle, and they're turning away. And that's the wrong kind of heat. And as you said, it's the worst thing to do, have it in your title feud, when you then you're turning people off from your title feud, right? And, and, and it's not only that. I mean, look at what you've now surrounded this feud with. Now you've got Ruby Riot and Ember Moon, arguably two of your hottest up-and-comers, f- treading water around this train wreck. Natalia, who's arguably <laughs> one of your better like veterans from a leadership standpoint, locker room leaders uh, on the women's division, and all of, wrapped up in this crap. Just those two, as scary and imposing, I'm doing air quotes, as they may come across, they're really just in the way. And, and that's where I come down on this. Look at all of this talent that's surrounding this thing and what you're centering it on is the most untalented pair of all of those women. I don't sure, get it. Think, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, then, then, then how about this aspect? And this is something that I considered, was that you know, you, this is another place where we're in, uh, for lack of a better word, the doldrums time of the year with a lot of feuds. And so this is a feud to have with Ronda on her way to a bigger feud. We've talked about how, like, for instance, when Mustafa Ali had the, was, was like the first challenger to Buddy Murphy. We were like, why now? We know he's not going to beat Buddy Murphy. It's too soon. He's a guy who should have a legit title shot, and we should want to believe that he could take the title off of Buddy Murphy, but it's too soon. Neither of us believe that Nia Jax is going to take this title off of Ronda Rousey right now. She's got future things to do. She's got bigger feuds down the road. This is just a connective bridge to her next big major feud. So this is a, this is a way to make her look more dominant in the fact that she will ultimately be able to triumph over these two physically imposing monster heels. So from that standpoint, yeah, it's a way to fill time in a time of the year, but right before we get to the WrestleMania build. So from that standpoint, I think it kind of makes sense to have her face off with Nia and Tamina right now. It's not going to be a memorable feud, but it's going to be something that fills time. I hear what you're saying, and then I look over at what's going on on SmackDown, and it's amazing from all aspects, from the women to the tag to the uh, the top of the men. So, sure. I, I, you know what? I don't buy that. I, I think that's lazy excuse, and mm-hmm. I, I think what's going on on Raw right now is just sheer, utter laziness, and they don't know what They're- in the hell to do with Nia Jax. I will agree that there's a lot of laziness going on on Raw. Uh, Last week was a great example of a lot of lazy booking. That's why everyone was mad at it. This week had some of it. I thought that they tried to do some interesting things with the with the women's division, like you know the way that they set up the potential tag match at the top, and then that was scuttled, and then we ended up having a different one at the end, and Ember Moon was involved. I thought that was some creative booking there. There, I did like some of the aspects of that. I think you're being tainted by the fact that had it been anyone else but Nia Jackson Tamina in there, you would have liked the way they set this all up, and it would have been creative. Probably, you know what I mean. It's just you're you're so angry at Nia, and besides, she did lose 
lose at the end. Tamina ate a uh, uh, an eclipse. Of course, and she then did. Tapped out, tapped out to an armbar. Of course, she did. So that's her. That's you just described her career. Oh Jesus Christ! All right, so we'll, I, we'll move on. From, we'll move on from this. Much love, Jimmy. But <laughs> you're just you're she's too, bad. Uh, I got some <laughs> issues with Jimmy too. It's we never resolved the whatever happened to his girlfriend at the time. Anyway, long. We're not going to get into that. There's so, oh man, this is this we're, we got a bummer of a show we're starting off with here, man. Let's let's get to something a little bit more exciting. Woo, okay, All right, let's, no more now. We're past that shit. Shake it off. Shake it off. Drew McIntyre. Yay! Yay Drew McIntyre. Hang on, let me pull Drew my hair Mac- down. In front of my face for this segment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Get your hair all annoyingly slicked in in front of your face. Right. Uh, no, I, I think it makes him look crazy. I love it. Um, so Drew McIntyre, we've been saying he's going to be on the up and up. He was the bright shining star of Raw this week. He was. Well, it was Drew of, McIntyre was Appreciation segments. Day. Well, absolutely. So it should have. It, he should be making him look like a shining star. But the thing is, his performance is what made it particularly good. He was, as you said, it was Drew McIntyre Appreciation Night. Our our beloved general manager, Baron Corbin. General manager threw, elect. Sorry, general. Sorry to correct. Thank you. Thank yes. you. And soon to be permanent general manager once he uh, beats Braun Strowman at TLC when oh. Braun Strowman doesn't show up. Right. Um, kayfabe, kayfabe. Wink, uh, wink. So, <laughs> yeah. He had a nice uh, little thing for Drew in the ring where he gave him a, a gold medal. A nice little, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a, a medal of appreciation for something for <laughs> like that. But he took a dig at Kurt Angle and his gold medals. Yeah, loved it. That's basically what the idea was. Uh, was that he gave him a little gold medal for for taking out Kurt Angle and for for reshaping Raw in his image. But of course, in the middle of all of this record scratch, out comes Dolph Ziggler to go. What about me, man? But what about I was your buddy. I helped you get here. And Drew McIntyre turned around and finally, finally said what we've been wanting him to do for a long time. I, I like the fact that we had a nice long build on this and said, you know what, Dolph, you say you were the brains of the organization, but the fact is you never were. Drew, I, Drew, was the muscle and the brains. I did this all myself. You were a means to an end. Thanks, buddy. You're done. I don't need you anymore. Get out of here. And Dolph uh, very dejectedly almost left, but then started a fight with Drew McIntyre. We ended up in a match. Drew versus Dolph. Uh, Drew was absolutely wiping the floor with Dolph Ziggler until Finn Balor came out and gave an illegal drop kick on the outside to McIntyre, allowing Dolph Ziggler to pick up the pin and tainted victory on our Lord and Master uh, Drew McIntyre, our great Scottish overlord. <laughs> our great Scottish overlord. Um, I, I, I have to. I'm going to put this out there right now. There is absolutely no way that anyone can criticize me for being partial to Drew McIntyre because I'm also Scottish. It's not the case. I strictly know talent when I see it, and uh, I can absolutely and unfetteredly say that that Drew McIntyre is the greatest thing in wrestling right now. Now, a quick aside though, we, we've known this since he was he came back in NXT, um, specifically. Uh, he went out after the C and Almas match with a bicep injury, I think, uh, during yes. that championship the match. Un- unsafe, unsafe worker, Sienna Almas, right? Gave him a bicep injury. <laughs> anyway, we we've known this for a long time that this was coming, and we're finally here. Well, and that's, and the thing is, is that it almost felt like this came out of nowhere. But we even said last week the fact that Dolph was on his own against Seth Rollins. No one came out to help him. It didn't really come out of nowhere. I felt this was built appropriately, and they pulled the trigger on this at the right time with Braun out for a couple of weeks, with Roman gone. You need to have a new monster heel. And the, and 
up until now. We all we were wondering what the whole idea was putting Ziggler with McIntyre up until now. And frankly, I think I, I, I don't know what you think. I think in hindsight, it was a good idea and it worked for a time. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And, uh, it, well, it, this we had this notion that Ziggler has been the the gatekeeper after last year with Nakamura, and then this uh, this fall with with Drew. It, it, yeah. it always felt weird in both instances uh, when this happened, and eventually they do split off. I, I actually really liked this segment. I liked the way it went down. I liked the way Ziggler came out and went. Um, hang on just a minute, buddy. Um, <laughs> I was the guy that kind of showed you the ropes here. Oh, I didn't need you, and you know, blah 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 yeah. blah blah. You were well, and McIntyre also in his speech before he had a great speech before that too, where you know, once again, he says, "I'm here to light a fire under everybody's butt back in the locker room and tell them like you got to work hard. You can't just sit back there and they're play on video their phones games. and playing video, phones, games. playing video games." Which I thought was like shots fired at Xavier Woods. What the heck, man? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm wondering. I'm wondering because that seemed a little bit specific. I'm wondering if he was specifically specifically referring to anyone who was back in the locker room, happy to pick up a paycheck and just hang out you know i'm wondering who that was meant for because that did seem a little bit specific tyler breeze but uh so that was a a nice aspect of this uh i like the fact that this does seem to be indicative of the fact that drew mcintyre is now getting rocket strapped to steal a line from edge and christian uh this is the beginning of him really getting the big major heel push and it was a lot of him on the show because as we said finn did interrupt his match with dolph ziggler which would come back throughout the show. Finn actually came out in a couple of matches. Um, he didn't just come out here. A lot of Finn on the show this week. A lot of, lot of Finn on the show. And uh, and what I thought was a nice kind of echo called back, it was we were saying last week how you had Lashley and McIntyre uh, kind of running wild over the show and, and messing people up all over the place. Well, this week... It was Finn kind of doing the same thing back in a very, you know, like guerrilla fashion. We had a, uh, a, sec- a segment where Elias was about to play a song in the ring, was interrupted by Lashley with a, with a pose down at the top of the ramp, and Finn came out to help Elias uh, scare off Lashley and beat down a Leo Rush with a guitar. So, and as a result of all this, Finn got put in a match later. Jinder, Jinder Mahal said, hey, I can help you with the Finn problem to Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin puts him in a match with Finn. Finn ends up uh, winning that match against Jinder Mahal. It was it was a, but of course he gets jumped uh, by he has, the Singh but brothers. Then he gets, but then he gets he gets jumped by the Singh brothers and McIntyre. Drew McIntyre comes out at the end of the show to get his revenge. Right. So uh, beats him up backstage, throws him into some kegs, <laughs> and beats down Finn. <laughs> out so of, out of nowhere, Apollo Cruz shows up to help. That was the weird thing is in the middle like, of Finn's what? match, Apollo Crews helps him. This is the now this is the aspect of Raw that we were talking about with the women's division is where do these things not make sense? Is there an end game for Apollo Crews helping Finn? Is there a reason that Finn is helping Elias? You know, is there a reason that he would come out and mess with Drew McIntyre? The only thing I can think of with that is messing with Drew McIntyre because he has a match with Drew McIntyre at TLC during the Dolph Ziggler match. That one makes sense. Why is he helping Elias? It's to get revenge for last week. Uh, why is he? Why is Apollo Cruz helping him? Like it's, it's it's one of those things where it reminds me a lot of some of the '80s booking where faces would just help faces because they were faces. There's no real logical reason. They haven't created character reasons to have a connection between the two guys. Yeah, but as much so, as people turn and flip uh, in WWE, it's hard to it's hard to keep track of all. Like you almost need a running spreadsheet of who's what and where and when. And, and why well, they on, would help, and and who owes who, and all of that stuff on Raw, because you you do you did earlier make a comparison to SmackDown, and I do want to draw a direct line between how SmackDown is written and how Raw was written this week, because they both 
had a lot of crossovers of different characters. They talked about history between the characters. And Raw, I thought, in a lot of aspects, just left out certain details. It left out the connective tissue. And SmackDown, you were given the connective tissue. I felt like you were given just the little story beats, the little moments, uh, whether it was something someone said or the announcers said. I felt like there was more filled in for you on SmackDown. And so it made it more of an enjoyable experience as opposed to being like, oh, Apollo Crews is here now. Why? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Did it was, Titus it was Worldwide strange. end? Well, well, Titus did what he was uh, one of the Ebony Top 100 uh, entertainers this year. So he's still doing something. Apollo Crews can't even get that. uh, Well, no, he's too busy actually working uh, as a wrestler. So no, there's a lot to to unpack this week in this top men's feud, whether it's, you know, Dolph looking weak against Drew McIntyre and needing Finn to save him, uh, whether it was. You know, the, like what's no. co- is, is there a, no. a face? Here's what all is this there, is going to boil Is there down a face to. faction build? Because we're having all these individual matches at TLC, but are we having a, a a face faction with Elias and Finn and Apollo Cruz, and then a heel faction with Lashley and McIntyre? And uh, where's Dolph ending up? There's a lot to think about with this segment. Th- this is all going to boil away, uh, and it, we're going to be left with Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. I would guess that at this point in time, with Roman out of the picture. I would guess that we're going to end up with one of those two or both and potentially even Brock Lesnar by the time we get to WrestleMania. So I, I that's what, to me, this is Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre at the, t- the top Braun, of the pyramid. Braun, Drew, Brock, main event, WrestleMania, three-way. I could see it. Maybe, yeah. I, I, you, know, I, you know me, I'm not a fan of the triple threat things, especially when there's a title involved, but yeah, yeah I could see it. That could be fun. I mean, a big bunch, bunch of big hosses in a big match. Let's see what happens in a month with the USADA yeah. and, and UFC. And then where does Corbin end up? Because right now he's kind of one of their top heels as well in a different aspect. They even had a nice little video package about what a great job he was doing, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people that can't stand Corbin. I love his work. I, I, think I used that, to not like all of his stuff because he did the crazy hair and the lone yeah. wolf kind of vest. And But I love the Constable Corbin thing oh, I have from day one. Such a natural, just shit-eating heel. He's so easy to hate. but he's And, and part of what makes it great is how not great some of his acting is but then like just the natural just dickishness comes through so well like the smarminess comes through so clear no matter what he does it's uh, yeah I, li- I personally like uh what corbin is doing what they're doing with corbin so yeah. all right well moving on we don't want to do another hour-long raw segment like we did last week we have to talk about something else on on ross something that's supposed to be one of the major feuds but it's really starting to feel to me at least i don't know about you was feeling like less of a main feud, and that is Ambrose Rollins. Uh, it's I I I am dying to know what their thought process is on what they're doing with Dean Ambrose, who came out this week this week looking like Bane in a gas mask with a bunch of SWAT guys in gas masks to some sirens at the top of his music. What the what was this, Nick? What the heck was this? I have to say, I was intrigued. I, I w- when I first heard the air raid sirens going off before his actual entrance music kicked, I was like, "What's this? Uh, who are these guys in gas masks?" Okay, you you have my curiosity. I'm I'm, I'm kind of a burn, and then his music kicks, and I went, "Oh, oh yeah. okay. I'm I'm still going along for the ride. I okay. Uh-huh. I see what you're doing here. It's playing on him getting shots and all. Okay, and then you, that, but the whole." Yeah, you'll hear me parrot some of this in SmackDown too, with regards to Daniel Bryan. Whatever he's out there doing and saying just doesn't resonate with me. I don't care that you're a hypochondriac. 
That doesn't make me hate you anymore. Or that make doesn't make me want to invest in your character. I want, like you call him, murdered. I want CZW Dean back. I want, you know, murder, death, kill Dean. Like, just doesn't give a F and will just beat the hell out of anybody. Now we have hypochondriac Dean that's going to come out in like a. Uh, an outbreak suit next week. See, it's interesting because I I thought the stuff with Daniel Bryan on SmackDown that we'll talk about in a little bit was fantastic. I thought it really defined his new character, which we needed for that. Whereas uh, with Dean, I think the simplicity was much better and they're putting too much stuff on him. You know, with the, with this whole Bane looking thing, um, his, his promo, Daniel Bryan's promo was also, there's a lot of stuff packed into it, but if you really break down what they actually said, Ambrose was all over the place. He called the crowd needy. He said he was the last man in this business with integrity. There's still some of like, he was the moral compass. There was still some stuff where he was doing about, you know, the, the sickness and not wanting to smell the crowd and, and disease and all this stuff. And it just, it's, it, this is this could be just really simple and effective. I don't like Seth. He's you know he he screwed me up with the shield. He had me go in the wrong direction. I can't stand it. I had to break away from, him, make a clean break, and to, to make a clean break, I have to break him. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's a simple damn feud. It doesn't need all these bells and whistles. It's like putting a four foot spoiler on a motorcycle. It doesn't freaking need it. No. You know what I mean? And that's my issue with this. And at the end, this was just a way to have Ambrose talk for ten minutes. And then Seth run out, beat up a bunch of SWAT guys in gas masks, and then tussle with Ambrose a little bit and end up taking another dirty deeds on the floor. This, to me, this whole segment was kind of nothing. Yeah, agreed. It was unnecessary what is, is the word I'll use. What's, what's the, what's the, how's it go? Uh, full of sound and fury signifying nothing. That was yeah. this segment. That, yep. was, that was the Dean Ambrose-Seth Rollins segment. Uh, we also had some other stuff going on on the show. Um, perhaps... Not seen by those of you who watched the hour and a half Hulu edition. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of stuff in here they cut out this week in order to get all that Nia Ronda uh, and Drew stuff in. There's some, there's some actually stuff I thought was important that they cut out. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, not, not this one. They had Sasha and Bailey in another one of the same things Alexa said would come out to the ring and we'll do a Q&A. Ended up being another jumping session with uh, Mickey and Alicia, although we actually had a match this week which Sasha and Bailey won. I, I don't. Okay, I don't. Uh, this is another one. Who I don't know where we're going cares? with this. Who, yeah, this is <laughs> poor Sasha and Bailey, poor Alicia and Mickey. Really, there's just nothing here. I, I don't see anything. It's a dead end feud, as far as I can see. Yeah, um, that's redundant from last week. We also had another uh, little bit. It's been third week in a row now. The revival has faced off against the Lucha House Party. This time, it was supposed to be a uh, a one on one match, Dawson versus a member of the Lucha House Party. But as soon as the match started, it was announced it was actually Lucha House Party rules, which meant it was a three on one. And of course, poor, of course, poor Scott Dawson got his ass handed to him by three luchadors. I don't understand the mentality here. Same thing we said last week, right? What? Why? make the revival look like idiots who can't grasp the fact that the Lucha House Party is going to twist the rules. As, and as their face, they're supposed to be faces the Lucha House Party, right? Why are they twisting the rules? The only thing I can think here is that it's an antithesis to their, you know, no flips, just fists. And they're being shown that the flippy shit can take them down. When it's so three I, on I, one? That's not, that, that doesn't, that doesn't I, make maybe, sense. Maybe that's the Lucha House stuff. It doesn't maybe make that's sense, uh, you know. No, it doesn't make I, sense. Okay, I'm trying uh-huh. to rationalize it in some way, but because I don't get to see it because I, I didn't watch the right. Hulu version, but because because commercials. But anyway, it's it's a matter of what are they trying to do here? We don't know. 
Unless we end up with the revival and AOP uh, again, I think. Mm. I don't, uh, unless we end up with that at a pay per view, I'm not going to care You're about anything out. that's going to. Oh, no. I'm done. I'm, yeah. I'm done with the Raw Tag Division. Well, I think that I think that the again Revival Lucha House Party could be a good feud. It's just I don't understand the mentality of the story they're trying to tell here. But uh, as far as AOP, AOP also was uh, on the show. They had a. Uh, um, it was originally supposed to be Bobby Roode versus Drake Maverick, and then uh, that would yeah. <laughs> it was in, it, the thing is it was supposed to make sense. Uh, they wanted a, it was a stipulation. It was if, if Bobby Roode could beat, uh, Drake, um, they would get a, uh, it was, uh, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable would have a rematch for the titles. That was the idea. But as soon as Bobby Roode started fa- facing off against Drake Maverick, the, uh, production crew turned heel and showed him AOP beating down Gable backstage. Uh, while they were doing that, Corbin said, no, no, no. Now it's a three-on-two match. You guys better get to the ring because the match is going on right now. So AOP comes out, and the three of them, Drake Maverick and AOP, beat up Bobby Roode until Gable limps out to the ring. They all get beaten up. AOP stands tall. Drake Maverick takes the pin on Bobby Roode after, after a super collider. Um, no, no, no peace this week, no, right? This was infinitely better than the last few weeks. This was actually dastardly heels working together. Baron Corbin obviously involved as well. But, you know, working a plan to screw over the faces. This made sense. I'm still not excited about any of this, but it made a lot more sense and to me was a better angle than anything they've done so far with this. So, looking on the bright side, glass half full, it's better than some of the stuff they've done. So, there is that. But one final thing with the tag division, and that is Heath Slater was told that he and Rhino had to have a match. Loser is fired from Raw. Oh, no. And in a very surprisingly quick match, he beat Rhino. And then apparently for the live audience, Rhino gave like a kind of a, a retirement speech, like maybe broke kayfabe. I can see that. But what an, that. what an uh, ignominious end to Rhino's career. Like, that's just weird. Did he... Uh, th- th- this hasn't really been researched a lot, um, either on the independent press or with us. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on with Rhino. I don't know if he's got some personal issues to go, like he wants to go get back into politics or more time with his family or if he's just kind of done with stuff. But it's just, it's weird to have it end like this. If he's going to go yeah. back, maybe he goes back to NXT and works as a trainer. I don't know. This was weird. Uh, it was very weird. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens now with Heath Slater because he's become kind of Corbin's whipping boy as well. So I, I'm, well, yeah. Since you mentioned it a couple of times at this point, where do we did we improve over? La- I think it's clear that we improved over last week's RAW. Yeah, but I don't. I'm not gonna say or or harbor any kind of you know uh, notion that we're out of the woods yet because I, I don't. I don't. This still feels sloppy and lazy and all over the place. Makes no sense. I almost don't even give a shit about some of the the <laughs> RAW matches specifically. That are going to be happening at TLC. Ouch! So I, I, I and and like I've said, that's one of my favorite pay per views. It's my good old. It's about the last remnants of what we have left of e, of ECW and and the Dudley Boys and those and that stuff. So I, ah, I want to see tables and ladders and chairs matches. I just don't know if I give a shit with some of these feuds. Right. So I mean, where do you stand on this? Ten days out of TLC. I think that there's with a couple of them. I think that there's ways that they could they could save some of these some of the some of the raw feuds. Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose. I think it's kind of DOA right now, but they could do something next next week that makes me care. I, I don't think it's completely gone yet. I just don't understand 
a lot of the extra trimmings on the Dean Ambrose heel character. Um, and Seth just kind of seems flat by comparison. I think yeah. Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin, when that happens, could be a good slobber knocker match or it could just be a squash. Strowman comes out and murders Corbin. Fine. Um, I think it needs to be. Rousey, Nia Jax. Obviously, neither of us are terribly excited about that. Uh, Finn Balor, Drew McIntyre could be a fun match, but I don't think Finn's winning it, so I'm not terribly excited about it. And Elias versus Bobby Lashley. Yeah, don't really care. Um, there might not as long as he's slapping his butt cheeks. There might. You know, I, I actually, I'll say this: since we didn't talk much about it, I'll just throw it in there. I actually liked the Leah Rush and and Bobby Lashley dynamic this week. Standing at the top of the ramp, mm-hmm. Bobby didn't say a word. I'll, I'm coming around on the almighty Bobby Lashley, yeah. but then they screw the whole thing up by doing the stupid poses again. The poses Why actually not just work- leave him alone and have him be a hype man about the almighty Bobby Lashley. The poses kind of work for me, but it's just going to get stale really quickly. You know what I mean? There's aspects of it that I think... Like I said, I really like what they've done with Bobby Lashley as a heel character with Leo Rush, but there's aspects that are going to get stale real quick, and they've got to keep it fresh. And it shouldn't be hard. I mean, they're... they're, You know, Rush is a good talker. They should be able to keep it fresh, but I hope they do. But yeah, um, I can't say that Raw is blowing my mind right now. It might just be, again, the time of year, the doldrums, not wanting to compete too much with Monday Night Football and just kind of giving up. Who knows? Um, You know, it's been reported that, that Vince... Uh, last minute rewrote last week's show and this week's show. But a lot of people are reporting that, well, Vince also has creative control over every one of Raw's shows. And when he does good things, like he also was the one who had the idea for that gauntlet match that Seth Rollins went an hour and something in. Like he has good ideas. Um, So it's not like he's always like it's Vince did it. Oh, it's automatically bad. But, you know, when uh, the buck does stop there, the buck stops at Vince and I have some of the stuff on the, on these last couple of weeks. Uh, you have to wonder what the thought was, Oof. if there was yeah, thought or if there's no like, kidding. screw it, we're just going to do it. Yeah. Well, we made it out of that train wreck of a TV show <laughs> for two weeks running, but we're not done because it's about to get a lot more exciting as we head over and talk about what went down on SmackDown live. Well, SmackDown Live this week was actually a very enjoyable watch, Nick. I don't know about you. I, I, I thought it was a, a nice change. L- juxtaposed to what we just watched the night before? Yeah, it was, it was yeah. a hell of a show. It's kind of crazy to have the two shows juxtaposed because it is the same company. It's the same product and obviously different creative staff on both shows. Um, but, you know, Raw, we get such a different result. And it's not like the Raw isn't... I don't know. You could argue that they're they're trying, but it's just what they're doing isn't working. And I think some of the ephemerals that we were talking about earlier might be part of partly to blame for that. Maybe it's the performers, is the writers. I don't know. We can talk about that a little bit later on. But let's talk. Let's let's break down SmackDown and see if we can figure out what made it work so well this week. Uh, and th- at the top of the stuff I want to talk about is is the new Daniel Bryan character. We had a Miz TV segment where. Uh, Miz interviewed Daniel Bryan. So right off the bat here, Nick, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Right off the bat, we have one of the most interesting pairings as far as uh, like dynamic wise. Ever since Daniel Bryan got cleared, everyone's been talking about him and the Miz because of, you know, the legendary talking smack segment, right? Right. Which really defined. And they've got so much history together all the way back to NXT. Sure. Um, So this was, I thought, a brilliant way to establish the new Daniel Bryan's character is have his character be juxtaposed with one of his most consistent adversaries, and that's The Miz. And so we had this uh, very wordy segment where Daniel Bryan came out 
of course, refused to do the yes chant, and then was interviewed by The Miz. Uh, very, as, as you said earlier, it was a very wordy promo segment. It was a very wordy bit. Uh, you know, he talked about Alexander Hamilton. He quoted Alexander Hamilton and uh, went after the audience a bunch of times saying he, he didn't want to be a sheep like these people reciting something that they said that was fun 20 years ago when they, when they what chanted him, right? That he got, was on the audience, got on the audience. So I, I thought that this whole, this whole promo bit with Daniel Bryan um, trying to define who he was and The Miz openly saying, I told you so. I told you that this is what you had to do to be successful. And Daniel Bryan trying to find every way that he could to not admit that the Miz was right, that he had become a heel like the Miz wanted him to. I thought this was a really good way to establish who Daniel Bryan is because they had him juxtaposed with the Miz. The new Daniel Bryan, we've seen what the old Daniel Bryan is with the Miz. This was the new one. So now what, what did you think about Daniel Bryan's presentation here? What do you think about the new Daniel Bryan? From a vocal on the mic uh, promo, I think it might be one of the better ones he's ever done. Yeah. I do not want to see him in ragged boat shoes and dress like a homeless person. But isn't that the point? Because he's kind of, because no, one of the things he's I, it's, doing, it's super vegan environment and, and yes. vegan environmentalist, you know, Daniel Bryan, that, I don't see a stone cold killer as a vegan environment environmentalist. And I, I, I think just, that's I, what's brilliant about it is that he, on the one hand, he's sitting, come on, man. He's on I can't the one get hand, on board. I can't jump on that train though. Cause I'm really, I'm distracted. I'm distracted with his stupid cardigan and his stupid boat shoes (laughs) and, you know, and just uh, come on, man. Help me out. Help the fans out here. You're supposed to be a sort of evil villain. Dress like one. Doesn't you know? be, don't you think that there's like an extra level? I, I don't want to use the word meta. I don't think it's appropriate here, but there's an extra like level above normal of of heel work there with kind of going just like just dr- like going right into that that uh, that that exactly that perception that you have of him where you're like God, you just visually annoy me. Don't you think that's part of him working the crowd I a mean, little bit? With it's this? working, I guess you could say. <laughs> well, if apparently. that's the intent, but. That's how he's always dressed. But he's going he's going even more so and he's also saying, you know, I one of his excuses this week was, "Hey, I kicked a guy in the groin once and everyone freaks out, but you know, everyone's always throwing away their plastic bottles and eating non-GMO meat and all this stuff." Uh, or not eating non-GMO meat and and abusing animals and all the rest and going just full-on militant vegan with it. Like that's part of what he's doing and just visually that's going to translate with his he's got the the shirt that has the the heart made out of a tree on it. And like I saw that and I'm like, oh my God, he's going militant vegan, Daniel Bryan. You know, this remind. okay, so hold on. I'll, I'll stop real quick on that because it reminded me of some of the psychological stuff that heel CM Punk used to do where he would get in the crowd's head and just twist them up because of stuff that he would say or stuff that he would do that was beyond just something he said in his promo, right? It was psychological. It was, it was, it was hitting you in a place that just... It bugs you. It rubs you the wrong way. And I think he's doing that. I, I agree. I think this is one of his best promos of all time. But I think that his all-around character work, like every detail of it, is spectacular. It's fantastic heel work. I'm just distracted by his apparel choices. That's really <laughs> what it comes down to. I don't get it. I, I just I, I want to be complete. I want to jump on the Daniel Bryan, the new Daniel Bryan train without hesitation but then i just find myself saying what the hell kind of shoes is he wearing and is it it's not my wrestling you know i it i want him out there being a badass 
and and yeah, we got to see him get physical with AJ Styles and put him in the knee and lock a couple a badass, of times. Wasn't he? He and he was a badass. But you know what? There's a damn cardigan draped over his back while he's doing it, and I'm going, ah, yeah. you know, I, that's but that's your perception. You can't be a badass while wearing a cardigan. Yes, you can. You look Apparently, like apparently. my grandmother. Well, apparently your grandmother can kick AJ Styles' head off. There was a lot of aspects I liked about that. I liked the little detail about uh, how he took off the the Yes Movement nameplates on his title and threw them to the ground. Like that Brilliant. was a nice moment. Um, the, the stuff where Miz just kept trying to get him to say, like, Miz, you were right. You have to take the underhanded way. It doesn't win no matter what. I like the fact that when AJ Styles came out in the middle of the Miz TV segment, Daniel Bryan threw Miz at, at AJ Styles, and they ended up tussling like when you throw a couple of cats at each other, and they just can't help it, but they start hitting each other. Brilliant. Um, he, got, he got them Loved working it. together, and that ended up setting up a match later on with Miz and AJ Styles. I like the fact that now Daniel Bryan runs from people. Like when AJ Styles had him cornered outside, he, he, was, he begged off and like, ran you know and then later came down during the Miz and AJ Styles match and sat commentary and of course got involved uh and after AJ beat Miz with the calf crusher Daniel got involved and as you said kicked his head off he he beat him down he tore up his leg he kicked it he got him in that um the arm hold where he was kicking his head on the ground again like yeah I don't care if he wears a cardigan he can, because that that to me that speaks to his militant vegan annoying heel preachy character that's just that's just so aggravating. That's the point. But then he can also still be terrifying when he's in the ring. And it, and by the way, Nick, he's not going to wear the cardigan in a match. I, I understand. Rile, that. It's a rally you up. I under and and it's working obviously. But there's I like my heels in two ways. One, give me a fantasy superhero looking character. Think Drew McIntyre. <laughs> or two, give me a Bobby Roode dick heel in a suit, kind right. of just pretentious up you know smug kind of. But isn't that kind of isn't that kind I don't of buy uh, the, the wrestling? Yeah, exactly. It's hashtag wrestling. Wrestling. Uh, but that's that's a thing. Is isn't that? But that's what I liked about the the CM Punk style of heel, heel character. Is it's subversive, right? It's an extra level of subversion on you. They're they're going an extra distance on you, but in a smart way, not in like a Nia Jax, you know, hashtag facebreaker way. And trying to work you that way. This is, I, I, I love what they're doing with Daniel Bryan. I thought this I was a too. great showcase I, for him. Listen, I, full disclosure, I absolutely love everything that he had to say this week. The environmentalist climate change stuff was questionable at best, but <laughs> it worked, <laughs> right? And you're in, you're in Texas, you're in red country, and the, oh, exactly. those people are just, you know, just triggered. So anyway, he, he ha- but I, it, it's his mannerisms, the way that he's working the heel character, all of that stuff... But it's just the apparel choices. That's really what I right. can't get my head around. I, I wonder if the new Daniel Bryan's new gimmick will be called the Flaming Liberal Daniel Bryan. Maybe. That'd be awesome. That'd be Maybe. amazing. The, <laughs> the Berkeley student Daniel oh, Bryan. Oh, God. Ah. Antifa Daniel right. Bryan. Right. <laughs> um, hey, we're not getting political. No. Oh, geez. Um, no, but at, at any rate, this is. I thought this segment was a, a great example of how to tie the connective tissue of WWE together. Talk about people's history, whether it's spoken or unspoken, that you give hints to their history. This Miz TV segment was brilliant. The way it flowed into the AJ Styles showdown, the way it flowed into the Miz match later, and then the beatdown after that, it was all, it made sense. It had a logical flow. Um, and even AJ Styles, who last week gave one of his best fiery promos ever, said almost nothing this week, and yet came across looking like the kind of babyface they should have 
on these shows. He didn't look like an idiot. He definitely walked into some bad situations, but he didn't look like an idiot for it. He looked like a brave guy. Yeah. And that's how you should, should have your top baby faces look, not like some of the dum-dums, the way that they show them on Monday Night Raw, where they just kind of flail around and don't see stuff coming, you know? I was going to say the exact same thing. This this circling maelstrom of Daniel Bryan, Miz, AJ Styles throughout the entire show it's, it's how it started and it's how it ended. Mm-hmm. Look at go back and look at Monday Night Raw with the Nia Jax and the Ronda stuff, with the Riot Squad, with Natalya, and, and how it kind of consumed a lot of the show on Monday Night. Those yeah. two up against each other. How are those two things existing in the same universe? Because it's got to be there's some disconnect somewhere, whether that's the writers or who's booking the matches or whether it's just the talent or lack thereof, themselves uh, that just can't get it across over on right. Raw. It's it's almost the exact same formula that they're using over on SmackDown Live. Well, but it's also the the depth of character involved. Like we are more invested in the Daniel Bryan character because they're even now like it's it's such a new character, but there's so much depth that's, that's been put into it in such a short period of time. Uh, there's so much depth to the Miz character now, and there's because there's and there's also the depth of the, of the history between the two. We don't really have anything even close to that in the Ronda and Nia feud over on Raw. Yeah, uh, we even have more of that in the Charlotte Flair, Oscar, and Becky feud, which also had a big uh, couple of segments this week. Uh, we had the contract signing for the triple threat at uh, TLC between Oscar, Charlotte, and Becky. All three of them came out. There was some jawing going on where uh, Charlotte and Becky started talking back and forth. Oscar told him to shut up and said, Becky, you chose the wrong person at TLC. You should have chosen me. I would have actually beaten Ronda. Charlotte, you didn't beat her. You lost. And by the way, you beating me at WrestleMania was a fluke. You've only beaten me once. So this was, I, I, I loved this because it showed the dynamic between the three women. Uh, Becky stayed her regular character, just but basically blew them both up said, all right, screw you two, walked away. And we were left with Charlotte and Asuka defining what their relationship was now. Which, I have a question, found, though. Yeah. Why, why is the man just mm-hmm. walking out? I mean, I get, the, the, I get the motivations, and I get what they were trying to do, but she's the one that everybody came to see. She's the one that yes. everybody wants to hear speak. I didn't need yes. to sit and listen to 10 more minutes of Asuka and Charlotte jawjacking with each other and signing contracts and doing all that stuff. So, yeah. Right. What's the thinking here? There's, From what I understand, there's two different aspects of thinking. One is that Becky is still not cleared to compete. Her face is still messed up. She is, she's cleared for concussion protocol, but her face is still kind of messed up, so she can't take any bumps. She should be cleared by TLC, but they don't want to do anything with her right now. That's one thing. Okay. The second thing is one of the things that the man character operates on is mystique. And the mystique is going to be exposed the more you expose the character. She should just come in, say a couple of pithy things, beat somebody up, and leave. I actually was only disapp- I was disappointed she didn't actually kick anyone in the face and then leave. But fine. I didn't think she should stay out there. Also because we wanted to get more spotlight on Charlotte and Asuka, which was originally going to be the feud if Becky couldn't compete at TLC. Um, 
So we ended up having the rest of the show be about the two of them. I thought that getting Becky out of there as soon as possible was a great way to get people focused on Charlotte and Asuka. And if you'd kept Becky out there with them, it would have absolutely drawn focus because of how important she is right now, how over she is right now. We needed to have everyone focusing on Charlotte and Asuka. Yeah, and the other thing I liked about this with Becky leaving is that it opened the door a little bit for what we had next where Mandy Rose Mm -hmm. and Sonya Deville came out going, really, Paige, these two are the ones that you're picking to go after it? Uh, This really led to what I think was some of the best stuff on on SmackDown Live this week. I really liked this. I'm I'm really getting excited about... Uh, yeah, the tag match with these, and then the dynamic of making Oscar and Charlotte tag together. So I, yeah. I, this has a lot of meaning for me because it really it, it, we're getting away from this staple of the only three or four people can work at the top of the card. I, I like this because it brings some more talent in, such as Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, who are grossly. Um, who've, underused. Who've been underutilized, underutilized, absolutely. And we've so, been bitch, we've been bitching about this kind of stuff even on SmackDown, where Wire. Why are Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles tag teaming again before their feud, right? Right. This was, but this was one where they had established for a couple of weeks now that Sonya and Mandy were feeling like they'd been left out of the title picture and they wanted more shots. They wanted to show that they were hungry. So it made sense for them to come out. They didn't come out for no reason. They came out for an established reason. Um, Charlotte and Asuka had been kvetching before. Paige was in there, got sick of them kvetching at each other and said, fine, you two tag against them. It was almost like a, a, a petulant thing, but it also made sense, right? It makes it made sense for, for Paige to go, screw you two. Why don't you go work together? Th- that all built to a match that made sense why it would happen. And of course, you're just waiting for everything to implode. Plus, you have the added bonus of are Mandy and Sonya on the same page? Are they going to implode before Charlotte and Asuka do? So there was a lot of different aspects at work in this match that made it interesting to watch, and it, it kept me invested in the match beyond the talent that was involved because it's always fun to see Asuka and, and Sonya work. Uh, Mandy's wildly underrated, and Charlotte's Charlotte. Uh, so it was a very fun match, and it kept me wondering what was going to happen. And as it as it so happens, Charlotte ends up accidentally big booting Oscar. Oscar ends up intentionally running kneeing Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte <laughs> eats the, Charlotte eats the pin on Sonya. So now Sonya and Mandy have something to crow about for the next few weeks. We beat Charlotte and Oscar, right? And Charlotte, well, and I want to repeat now, what you just said. Sonya Deville pinned Charlotte Flair. Oh yeah. She, oh, you're going to hear about that, no doubt. Oh, yeah. You're going to hear about that in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> but also in the next couple of weeks, we have it set up already. We have a WrestleMania rematch. We've got Charlotte versus Asuka next week because they because of the way the match ended. Hell yeah. That's a damn. That's a go-home show right there. No kidding. You going into I mean? a triple threat for the championship. Yeah. yeah. Hell that's yeah. A, that's a match that could have headlined a pay-per-view. That was supposed to headline a pay-per-view. It was supposed to headline TLC if Becky couldn't do it. And now we're getting it next week for free. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's I, all of this was, I thought, well done as well. None of it matters anyway, because Becky's not dropping that belt. Mm, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. The, que- the question is just going to be who pins who next week, who pins who at the TLC. Right. You know, that's, that's going to be the big question. Does, does Asuka eat the pin? And if so, how many fanboys are going to, Mara, my Asuka, oh, <laughs> right. what are you doing to her? <laughs> so. We'll see what happens with that. I was that way, but I like the way she's been reintroduced as this sort of middle ground between Becky and Charlotte. And I already beat you, and you beat me, but it was the one time, and it was a fluke. And she's almost the equalizer between the two of them in a way. Well, and it's a great I, way to reestablish kind of what she is. Yeah, yeah. reestablishing what she is. She's freaking Asuka. She's not, you know, not small fries here. 
Like, yeah, Becky, yeah, Charlotte, but... And that crowd well, was hot forget. for Asuka. The chanting her name they, and cheering every time she spoke. And, oh, I, for the record, also, I think I posted this in the Facebook group. I think I've been saying for a long time that they need to stop trying to get Asuka to, to just do English promos, maybe some keywords here or there. But the minute she starts yelling at you in Japanese and rolling her tongue and... Yes! That's the thing that you need to do with Asuka. Just the mad, crazy Japanese chick that will tear you apart. That was a a really amazing impression of a Japanese rant there, Nick. (laughs) It was good enough. Good enough to... Anyway. I knew what you meant. She did it two or three times uh, during this whole thing, and I was yes. Yeah. Because it gave me little, like, chili bumps, and I was just like, oh, yes, that's the... That's what we need to do with Asuka. It feels more legit when someone yells at you in their native tongue, whether it's Cien Almas, whether it's Asuka, you know, it, 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 you feel it more. And when yeah. she yells at us in English and, you know, it's a limited word set, uh, it doesn't be like, I already beat you. It's like, okay. And it doesn't, doesn't feel as, as she doesn't, she doesn't tear her apart the way she is in, in Japanese. You know, I, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. I wish they would do that Nakamura too. I think Nakamura would be much better in, in Japanese. Oh, yeah. Whatever. That's all. We could do a whole show on that. Uh, but we do have to move on and talk about Jeff Hardy, who ha- now here we have another example of something that SmackDown, I think, in the subtle ways, got right. He's got 99 problems, and and Orton is still one. He's got 100 problems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jeff Hardy had uh, <laughs> he had a match with Randy Orton. Now, it, when I first heard that they were having a match on the show, I kind of went, really? Didn't we just see this a bunch of times over the summer? Didn't this end? at Hell in a Cell. Why are we having this again? And they did a very good job on SmackDown of the commentary, putting over that this was a rematch from earlier in the year, that yes, we've seen this feud before, but they know each other so well. They gave us the story of it. And then Jeff and Randy in the ring even started the match uh, and and worked the match as though these guys are old rivals and this is something like they Jeff knows what he's in for with this. Randy knows what to do, what he's in for with this. There's callbacks to their feud. I thought it was something that worked worked well enough that it felt fresh. It felt like another continuation of this feud without seeming redundant. It would have been too easy to have this just be like they go out there and just have another match. This felt like shit, an old enemy is has risen from the to fight me again. Is what it felt like to me. What happened with Samoa Joe, though, and why is he feel like starting to feel like he's falling from grace a little bit from av- after the run with AJ? Um, because you he think? showed up in the middle of the match on the Tron in a bar, I guess as a jab at Jeff Hardy. As I, I know it's yeah. alcoholism jab at Jeff Hardy. Oh, of course, you know where I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a good what? line. <laughs> yeah, because Joe's amazing on the mic and doing pro. Anyway. I, why is Joe doing this now? Inter- interfering in this old feud? Like, is he going to have a run with well, Randy Orton now? I, no, I just, he's going to have a. No, he's interfering in this. Uh, first of all, I want to say that the production crew is the real heel here because they they interrupted the match. They could have easily waited until the end of the match to have Joe show up on the Titantron, but no, they've got to interrupt Jeff Hardy in the middle of the match. Anyway, okay, I I I'm being facetious, but obviously, <laughs> I the, a match we've seen seventy seventeen times this right. year. Right, but that's the thing is, yeah, this this was not going to go to a, an actual finish in this match. The whole point was to have the Jeff Hardy and and Samoa Joe feud continue to build. Uh, 
with this one again, Joe going again for Jeff's history of drug and alcohol abuse that he has now since overcome. Uh, Joe directly going for the one DUI incident that that uh, Jeff had, where he had fourteen beers and tried to drive. Um, directly referencing that in Concord, North Carolina. I remember uh, I gave see, him a bunch of you. shit about that. Yeah. So I, on one hand, I think having this just all be about Jeff's history is a little tasteless. And I think that going back to that well too many times is going to get really old really quickly. I think this was the last time I, I want to see it. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I, think that, I think that after this, it's going to be eye-rolling and kind of cringy. It's like, okay, make this about something else. You know, Samoa Joe with AJ Styles at a certain point, the stalking angle and being all about AJ's family, it got old. Yep. And and Joe is wonderful. He's a wonderful. He's a wonderful performer. He pulled this off, and no one else could have. Who else could have pulled off the stupid storybook thing with AJ Styles? Nobody. You know, Joe is able to do it. Um, but that being said, it, I am going to get really annoyed if this continues to be the main point of this feud in the weeks going forward. Is yeah. is Joe going? You know, going after the alcoholism jabs with Jeff Hardy? That, that can't be what this is about. In no way, shape, or form. And Why, I, I, yeah. I appreciate a good rib every now and then, but this can't be the crux of the feud. No, especially because... Like, I'm going to fight you because you made fun of my prior history of being an alcoholic. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Why? I like the beers. What, man? Come on. Uh, no, th- 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 also because Joe, yes, Joe's great on the mic, but he's also a wonderful physical presence. You know, he should be he should be intimidating Jeff Hardy in the ring and physically as much as he is psychologically. And to make this just about one thing psychologically and nothing else is really, I think, uh, minimizing this feud. It's the one small misstep with SmackDown this week that really just kind of left me a little irritated. So, yeah, I don't. I think there's a line where it's going to become tasteless and it's going to be next week. We'll see what they do with it next week. But yeah. up until now, it is what it is. Moving over to the tag team division. Uh, again, we've got New Day and and the bar. Or actually, yes, it was just a singles. I, look, this was not just a singles match, okay? I guess technically on paper, it was Xavier Woods against Cesaro against Jey Uso. Yes. This was all three tag teams involved. Whatever. You know, so it was a, it's big, yeah, a lot it was, of it was a big mess. But it's a, so it's as with many matches, they are promoting their upcoming pay-per-view. They're promoting the fact that this is the triple threat tag match at TLC in a tables, ladders and chairs match. It's going to be absolute chaos. It's going to be an insane match against three between three very talented teams. And frankly, usually you and I get annoyed when it's like just singles matches from tag teams. Usually we're kind of like oh, another one of these. This was an amazing match. Yes, it was. Holy crap. And I like, the, I like the character work. Again, you have history and connectivity with the characters. Jay and Xavier showing that they have a history and respect for each other, which the two tag teams have established. No one likes Cesaro. Like there, there's, all of those dynamics were there. Having Cesaro go out of the ring where Big E and Kofi were, were commentating and flip their pancake table, great little Brilliant. moment as well, right? Lots of good stuff here. There's only a couple things I really want to unpack from this. I mean, aside from this being a good promotion for their match at TLC, beyond that, that's the whole point of it, and that's what it was. But is, okay, so obviously this makes the upcoming match more exciting. Um, And the in-ring work here being superlative, I think, indicates that we're going to have a great match. But, so the commentary was saying, Stuff like, is the bar okay? You know, with Big Show leaving them, obviously, who knows what's going on there. But I'm wondering, are we headed for a bar breakup at some point? Is that what the commentary was hinting at? I hope so. 
Really? I know you love them. I, I I like them both as individuals. I don't like them as a tag team. You came around on them I, last I, week. You even admitted you did. It, it's it's they're fine, and that's because they're superb performers as individuals. Mm-hmm. And sure, they do the fuse and dance thing at the top, and that's cool. And they melded their <laughs> intro music. I I used to love Sheamus's intro. I used to love Sheamus as a wrestler. I used to love Cesaro as a wrestler. And this kind of I feel like I'm getting the least common denominator of each one of them when they're a tag team. Like mm. I don't get to see Sheamus be the big bruiser Irishman that he's he's known to be. Oh, man, I disagree completely. They're the they're the bruisers of this tag division though. Like with Biggie's the yeah. big guy on on New Day, but then if you have Xavier and Kofi and the Usos, you've got Sheamus and Cesaro as the big bruiser guys. That's the role they play. That's I, yeah. that'd be my argument for it, and I, yeah. I I I don't know about you, but if if they split them up, um, I'm worried about those two, you know, being released into the wild as singles singles wrestlers at this point. Maybe. Frankly, it, it so. might be a thing. Yeah. So I I don't know. Well, I, I, they're not doing that much, you know. Other things they got the titles back, but I'm, <sighs> I'm curious to see what you think about them uh, after next week because next week it's been announced we're going to have a, another rap battle. Remember the last time with New Day and the Usos, and it was and it, Wale, yeah, and Wale, and we were like, we were dreading it. We we're like, oh god, this is gonna suck, and it was amazing. It was but amazing. Are Cesaro and Sheamus gonna be inv- included in the rap battle? No, it's that it's Cesaro and Sheamus versus the Usos, and the New Day are doing the Wale position. Oh, so they're they're officiating. So, oh boy, I I'm very curious to see how this goes because obviously the New Day's got bars, the Usos have bars. The Sheamus and Sorrow are the bar, but do they have bars? Oh, that's that's fifty fifty the- booking right there. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you told me it was Sheamus and Cesaro uh, moderating between the two of the Usos and the right. New Day, I'd be like, "All right, this is this is fine. This is going to be yeah. fine." That would make more sense. Now you're going to have the bar versus the Usos in a rap yeah. battle. This could be a train wreck, Nick. We could be heading for a train oh, wreck, no. or we could be heading towards something amazing. They might pull this out. I don't know. I'm actually this could I, be I, Kurt I'm, Angle rapping to John Cena 2.0. We you never know. That was a, I like that a lot, but yeah, no, we'll see you next week. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see what they do with that segment. Yeah. Uh, a couple more things before we get out of SmackDown Live. Rusev, Rusev had a promo on Shinsuke Nakamura that was a lot of fun. I think it's the first time that Rusev has really been able to get loose and give a very fun, charismatic promo. That if you've, if you've been watching his stuff on Mixed Match Challenge or on Instagram, or if you've seen him do the stuff with Southpaw Wrestling. He's a really funny guy. Yeah, he is. Like, it, obviously, another guy who English is not his first language, his, it sometimes gets a little bit garbled, but God, man, he comes out with some good one-liners, like calling his, uh, his traps double-decker tacos, you know, like stuff like that. Like, he's got, a, he's got a couple of really good lines in here. I thought it was a good showcase for what he could do with himself, with the Rusev Day gimmick, without Aiden. Like, we were wondering where it goes without Aiden, right? And this was kind of an indication of that was Rusev getting time to talk on his own, being charismatic, being funny, and still working in the Rusev Day line. Yeah, and if it wasn't clear before, Rusev is now hella face. They finally come around. Hopefully, they finally dropped all the foreigner heat stuff and... The, but now, now we get... And I loved how he ran out and ran back in after the crowd chanted to say, Rusev Day! Yeah. And... <laughs> I, I I thought that was the best part of it. So uh, we're Absolutely. continuing the gimmick without yeah. Aiden, and I, I kind of dig that. As and much it, as it pains really me to felt, say that, 
<laughs> yeah, I, it's but it's true. I, th- I thought it was reinvigorating. Um, you know, I thought that that his his natural charisma is is kind of partly what got him over in the first place. So driving into that is a fantastic idea. Yeah. Letting him talk, letting him really show uh, what a funny, interesting guy he is. Uh, and not just having him come out and yell and pose and that's it. Yeah, comparing you know? his muscles Again, to to food items is is fantastic. And and then turn it into, but I'm hungry. I'm hungry now for I'm victory hungry over Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. That's come on. That's that's good stuff. Really good. So I'm I'm curious to see where they go with the Shinsuke uh, feud. But this was just a, it was a, this was a good start towards revitalizing his character. I thought. Yeah. So. Well, there you have it, folks. The main roster is complete for this week. So wait, real, real quickly. Okay. Do you think, what was, the, what was the one aspect of SmackDown Live compared to Raw? Let's put the two shows together because obviously we were really down on Raw, really up on SmackDown. What, was, what were the aspects particularly, we've got like two more minutes to talk about SmackDown here, particularly that raised SmackDown above Raw? Because I, I, to me, it's like, again, like I said, the ephemerals, was it the characters? Was it the writing, the action? Was it how much fun they were having? You know, with, with you had uh, Miz in the middle of the beginning of Miz TV, you had uh, uh, R-Truth and Carmella coming out, interrupting him for a dance break randomly, which yet still somehow made sense because of the history of the characters. What was what was that, was the, was the aspects for you that, that raised SmackDown above Raw? Talent. Talent. Talent, talent, and, talent and personnel. And, and performers, uh, the roster, you know, really the, the capabilities of the people that are performing. Yeah. So you don't think that if you had the kind of, as I was, as I've, as I've repeatedly said on the show, the connective tissue, the kind of writing and character work that they had on SmackDown and the feeling of fun. If they had that on raw with that talent, you don't think they could pull the same thing off. Oh, absolutely. If they could, if the, if you take the raw, the, sorry, the SmackDown roster, as it is today, with the feuds built in pl- as they are, and dropped it onto Monday Night Raw. No, Raw I'm talking would be about a better like, show. No, I'm talking about like Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, Elias, Finn Balor, even Nia Jax, Ronda Rousey, Bailey, Sasha, all, all of them. And you had all of them have the kind of interactions and character work that you see on SmackDown. Do you think that Raw would improve? Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so, too. I, that's something obviously is lead- wrong. leading questions here. <laughs> something is wrong behind the curtain uh, on Monday Night Raw, and we haven't yeah. figured out what it is yet. And I don't well, know. We don't, we don't get to see behind the curtain. Right. We, we don't, don't get, get access back there. back there. So I, yeah. I, it, But something is broken, and it's, it's not Baron Corbin. It's not the authority stuff. It's not Stephanie. It, it's, it, it's not. And frankly, there's a hell of a lot of talent over there. There's, it's not the runtime either. Everyone complains about the three hours, but if you have the amount of talent that you have on Monday Night Raw, you can absolutely fill three hours worth of stories and storylines and bits and segments. You can absolutely fill it if you just write it better. That's it. Bottom line. You know, if, if SmackDown, with the amount of roster they have on Raw, we're getting two hours of good TV on SmackDown. You add the extra roster they have on Raw, there you have an extra hour right there. Right, because just the the sheer number of people that are extra on yeah. Raw, so I I I, abs- I personally believe it's absolutely starts with the creative and the writing, and then the talent is is already there. I believe, yeah, on Raw. So, well, that's it for the main roster, folks. Uh, we got next week is the go home shows for TLC. We will definitely be uh, there with our own go home show, uh, giving our picks for the upcoming pay-per-view. But we're not done. We've got a lot more wrestling to talk about over in the wide world of wrestling. 
Well, we start this week on NXT. It's time for punishment. Who should show up this week to open the show? Matt Riddle comes out. We're having bro time, but then all bro. of a sudden, it's interrupted by a new top, new Tron, new music. And I was wondering, oh, what enhancement guy are they going to feed to Matt this week? It, it was no enhancement guy. It was freaking Punishment Martinez, fresh off of Ring of Honor, coming over here and looking like an absolute beast. Absolute beast. If you're when not he first walked out, I was like, wait, is that Brody King? No, no, it's Punishment Martinez. Nah, oh, my God. He's bigger than Brody King. Well, taller at least. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I have a feeling that they're going to get Punishment to put on some more beef on his upper body that just, just to look more like a Vince type. He's got the height. He has the look. This guy is, it could be an enormous, enormous uh, playmaker in WWE. Absolutely. And Matt Riddle could be, too. We've, we've been, obviously, we've been proselytizing the word of the bro universe uh, about Matt Riddle for a, for a while now. So this match was definitely a one to salivate for had I known it was happening. Um, and I again, guys, if you listen to the show and you don't know who Punishment Martinez is or Matt Riddle, I would love to hear what you thought about your first time seeing them. Yeah. So I want to see how they came across because Matt Riddle, as we've said, it's easy to, to dismiss him with the whole bro thing because the second he gets into the ring, the dude is lights out. He's so freaking good. And I love I loved the gear change where he just... He comes out very chill, and then all of a sudden, that all just goes away, <laughs> and he's terrifying. Um, and I, th- I don't. I, what do you think about the uh, punishments job here? Like, what do you think about his 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 work here? I think with both of these guys, we saw about maybe twenty percent of what they're capable of. It was a very oh, quick. Sure. It was a very quick match, very quick exhibition, uh, just to introduce Punishment Martinez. But they're they're really hyping up the fact that. Um, uh, Matt Riddle is yet to be defeated because he's only had Cassius Ono. I think they're going to give him a run where he d- he just doesn't lay down for anybody, and who knows? But was it Marcel thought, Barthel or so- someone else he beat before? Like in his debut, he beat somebody, and then Raul Mendoza, Cash- maybe? No, it wasn't Raul. It was it was someone much bigger. It was some other. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Marcel. It was some other guy who was I thought really good, another MMA type guy who had like his old name on his pants. I forget who it was. Anyway, I I apologize, but. Here's the thing. Punishment Martinez and Matt Riddle have, and they, and they call this out on the commentary. They trained together, right? They were together at, uh, at Blue Meanie School out in, I believe, New York. Um, and they've been tag team partners in the Indies before, too. So there's a history between these guys. And they actually referenced it on NXT. Remember back in the 90s where, like, if someone came in from another company, like, they couldn't tell you, they couldn't tell you anything about them? And oh, it was yeah. really frustrating? Yeah. Man, that's, boy, that, those days are long gone. No, I think at that um, age, I just really didn't give a shit. <laughs> oh, so I'm the nerd. Right, yeah. I see how it is. I see how it is. Okay, so what do you think? We've, we've talked at length about Matt Riddle. What do you think Punishment Martinez's ceiling is? Like, how high could he rise? Alistair Black level. Well, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about in general in the whole company. Obviously, Alistair Black is another one that we we said could go a oh, long yeah. way. Do you think I I think he's I think he's on par. He he could be real real contender for for the championship a year from now. Mm-hmm. So, I I don't know. We've got a long way to go with with Champa and Gargano and Black. So, I it's hard to even talk about that, but when you talk about his ceiling, I know he's got the talent. I know he's yeah. got the capability. We've seen what he can do outside of WWE. Yeah. So I, the, the, I don't know that he has one. Honestly, it's, yeah, it's going to depend he on the writing. Me, he reminds me a lot of Dijak, or sorry, Dijakovic. 
um, in that he is a big guy who does things that big guys should not be able to do. Uh, unlike that list Dijak- is growing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, but unlike Dijakovic, he has a very different look. He's kind of that that scary heel look to him. Um, so it was, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, I, I, I want to see what they do with him. He's already got the Triple H picture on his on his you know on his resume. <laughs> Triple H has already endorsed him. So we'll see where he ends up. But yeah, uh, he, he does lose here, but I thought he looked great in his debut. He looked strong oh, yeah. in a loss. Uh, tapped out to the bro mission fought, like, after some great stuff. So that was awesome. We also had a tag match. Raul Mendoza and Roberto Carrillo. I totally screwed that up. Roberto it's Carrillo. There we go. Humberto. Is it Humberto Carrillo? Thank Humberto. you, sir. Humberto. Humberto. Versus the Forgotten Sons. Uh who this week was uh don't it was matter it's wesley, all about jackson Riker. wesley blake and steve cutler jackson Riker was on the outside sir it absolutely mattered you know who uh, i was looking at the whole time jackson Riker, waiting for him to do you something were. you're you have such a hard on for that man it's I hilarious do. serious uh what did you say today on the facebook discussion group you can't wait for for him versus Superface drew mcintyre i just want to fast event. forward past all this oh nia jack's bullshit that we're uh, dealing with on monday night raw <laughs> To the point where Drew McIntyre is the mega face of the the company. Is this thing with you and, and Nia Jax? And he's having a, a title match against he dick heel Jackson Riker oh my for the God. championship at WrestleMania. I just want to. It's like three, four, four years from now. I just want to fast forward to that. There's something wrong with you. I, are, are you? Do you have like? Is this like a, a first grade crush kind of thing on Nia Jax? Where you really like her a lot, so you just like pull her ponytail because you, you just like I really like her, but I can't no. I can't let anyone know I can't let anyone no. know that I like her. Anyway, no. all right. So, <laughs> that, that's the not forgotten, what that is at all. So the Forgotten Sons, I finally realized what they are. They are the modern disciples of Apocalypse. Remember them, an old tag team back then, like the biker, the biker tag team from way back. Anyway, all right. Vaguely. If you don't remember, if you don't remember, go check it's it out. Ascension. That's, 3.0 it's not know, ascension it's it's much more like biker thing. anyway Fine. doesn't matter uh this was it was a good match I, I i think we both knew that forgotten sons can work they've been hanging out in nxt for a long time developing jackson's basically there to just keep them on the right track as you said jackson is the breakout star he, he just blows up the screen but i'm gonna say like I, I we've been high on raul mendoza for a long time he's the he's the perpetual underdog enhancement guy who just looks fantastic every time in loss he's extremely talented we've also talked about umberto carrillo before and how the fact he unmasked to come to nxt but he's also considered one of the greatest high flyers in the world and you, and it was on display <laughs> if you couldn't tell from the few things he pulled off in this match this kid, I think that they're waiting for him to to like they're they're like they're smoothing down the edges a little bit and getting him ready. He's going to be a big deal. Mark my freaking words. This guy is a, a, amazing, and if you, you could tell with some of the stuff in this match, how he's almost more comfortable in the air than he is on the ground. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone jump that high to do a missile drop kick. Oh. That that was insane. Like yes. he was, he could have jumped up and probably grabbed the rafters at the uh, performance center. Yep. That was absurd how high he was. If there's a rumor that he's actually part kangaroo. Uh, <laughs> mother was a lovely lady from Oaxaca, and his father was a kangaroo. There's actually anyway. anyway. Uh, so moving on, we also had Dakota Kai versus Shayna Baszler. This was interesting. I, I was surprised we had this right now, but I guess it makes sense given the ongoing feud between uh, Kyrie and Dakota and, and it EO totally and made the three sense. of the four horsewomen. Yeah, it totally made sense until nobody came out to be in Dakota's corner once Shayna came out with Jessamine and Marina. No, well, so I, I was halfway expecting a Kyrie and EO 
run in, you know, corner. Yeah. At least a run in afterwards. They did. And, they were, and, I mean, Eo ran in afterwards, but sure, way, we got way Eo after. run in for the save way yeah. after the match was over. Yeah. But I was like, ah, come on, guys! If this is going to be factions, let's let's bring out our factions. Let's actually do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought I thought I thought that uh, EO did come out a little late, but it meant we get to we got to have a really good match with Shayna and and Dakota, and they were actually shown to have really great chemistry, and they both have very unique styles, and they both were on display here. I love how Shayna works with joints. I love how Dakota works with her legs and her kicks. I, I thought this was a really fun match, and it's a very fun one to watch. If you want to see what I think will be the future of the women's division, which is having a lot of very talented people who really stand out as being something different. Yeah. Yep. So uh, uh, this D- all Dakota- leads up to a fatal four way uh, that we're going to have for the number one contendership uh, announced based on a match that was a house show or something, a live uh, a WWE live show recent or an NXT live show recently where Bianca Belair, I don't even know, they didn't even say who she beat for this honor, but William Regal has named Bianca Belair the first entrant in a fatal four-way for the number one contendership uh, to Shayna Baszler's title, uh, NXT Women's Championship. Yep. Who do you think is going to be the other three so far? It's such a stacked division right now. I don't even know. Yeah. Dakota, so Dakota lost clean to Shayna here. There was no interference, no nothing. She she passed out, tapped out barely in the Kirifuda clutch. So I don't think she's going to be in it unless she has some sort of redemption angle over the next uh, little bit. Um, maybe Io Shirai. Maybe uh, we might see... Um, Six-foot blonde. Yeah, you're six foot blonde. Exactly. Lacey Evans. Lacey is Evans be in there, I believe. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I then, agree with you, Io Shirai, but I haven't gotten to a fourth yet. Maybe Candice LeRae. I think would be the only person uh, who's circling right now. I don't know. Uh, but uh, Contem- I, does she? Because she's dark and brooding and doesn't care about championships, and you know she's know. just there supporting her we'll husband. See. We'll see. Maybe and maybe it's Dakota Kai. So we'll see. And, Speaking you know, of. Nikki Cross could be. You got to throw yeah. her in there too. That's well, if she's still around, that's very true. Uh, moving on to the main event picture, obviously Johnny Gargano still circling it. Ch- uh, Ciampa came out this week to cut a promo, uh, and which made Alistair Black come out to say, "I want you, buddy. We did. We have some unfinished business." Uh, which made Johnny Gargano come out and say, uh-uh, Alistair, you and I have unfinished business." No. Alist- Al, Al. Al. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is great because we all thought that they ended their their stuff at the last takeover, and uh, apparently Alistair thought they had ended their stuff too. But nope, Johnny says no. So Champa in this bit I thought was brilliant because he looked like an actual like Alistair even called him a puppet master trying to pull the strings of everybody, whether it's Johnny Gargano or the audience. He actually had a moment where Champa is outside of the ropes. And Johnny and Alistair are facing off in the middle of the ring. And you can see Ciampa's like evil leering face perched over his title, goading the two of them into another match in a steel cage. And it worked. And they ended up getting Alistair and, and Johnny Gargano got really mad at each other, said some stuff. You know, Alistair said, I'll take you on the parking lot. And Johnny said, how did that work out last time? Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. Alistair and swung, then he went for a black mask. And Johnny, d- dodged Johnny and ducked. Ju- ju- dunked so then he gave his, it to Tommaso Ciampa. Brilliant. <laughs> This whole segment was one of the best things on WWE TV this week, and it was just a Agreed. bunch of talking and one hit. I mean, it was it was absolutely my favorite thing on TV this week. Yeah, just the, and it was a, it was a, a bunch of promos and talking, and like, it was, it's December. Oh, yeah. There's two weeks left and three weeks left in the year, mm-hmm. and here we are still talking about as we knew we would be Johnny Gargano 
and, and Tommaso Ciampa. Yep, it's been the whole year. We knew this was going to be the whole year. Yeah, it's still going. And there are some people, I think even you said at one point, there's no way it lasts the whole year. But it does. And I was like, hell yes it is. It's going to go all the way to take over New, Orleans, or New York now, I guess, you would argue, WrestleMania next year. You could argue that Johnny Gargano's feud with Ciampa is done, and now he's feuding with Aleister Black. But the thing is, it's still an underlying story element that just has never gone away. And it could be something like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, where it's just, it's it's perpetual it's never going to yeah. go away it's, it's going to come there. up to the main roster they're going to they're going to continue I so. that i just, uh, just the main like, r- i think that the zane and owens reference there is spot on yeah. i think it's that's just fight that. forever and i think that yep. i think that in in the case of champa and how they're writing his character i want everyone in creative in wwe to take notes about how they're writing his heel character because he is devious he is smart he uh, and and then he also is dangerous he is the best heel hands down in WWE, period, end of end of sense. So, and I and I will even put that up there with the new Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, like uh, Miz, all the great heels on the main roster. Uh, uh-uh. the way they're doing Ciampa right now is such good heel stuff, and it's all how they're how they're letting him be. They're stepping back and letting him be written to be a smart, scary villain. I think Drew could have potential uh, in that respect, but they're going to flip him so fast we're not even going to see it coming. It's he's he's going to be mega face by but he's middle still of getting next year, he's still easily. he's still getting surprised by Finn Balor's drop kicks and stuff like that. You know what eh, I mean? Like it's not okay. He doesn't seem as much of a mastermind as Ciampa did this week. Sure. So. He, he well where where Ciampa is a mastermind, he is just a big brute. Exactly. Know? Who's who's not dumb, but it's anyway. We digress. Couple more things on NXT. Uh, Ricochet. We teased that someone else is going to be coming after his North American Championship. We don't know who yet. That will be revealed the next couple of weeks. Uh, War Raiders. Apparently, Hanson is quote injured, so they're out of the title picture for right now against the Undisputed Era. And who should be stepping in instead? But your boys, Heavy Machine. Yeah, well, careful there, Naya. Don't blow up your mic. Uh, yeah, heavy Machinery looks like they're going to be next in line for Undisputed Belts. I, I don't see them taking it, frankly. But uh, we will see. We'll see. I don't know. We've it's got it's uh, about time somebody else had them. EC3 versus Bobby Fish is coming up. Uh, that should be interesting. I think it's EC3's last chance to do something interesting in NXT. Uh, and then we don't know who Adam Cole is going to be facing off against next. Maybe a rematch with Ricochet. I think that would be redundant at this point. But yep. currently, he's the only one of Undisputed Era not doing anything. So we'll see what happens going forward with Undisputed Era. We also got uh, uh, TakeOver Phoenix announced. Did I hear that correct? TakeOver Phoenix, they've already announced there's going to be uh, is Ciampa and uh, Alistair Black. The cage match is irrelevant to the title picture. Like It's going to be Black and Ciampa for the belt there. Um, and I think that's the only match they announced so far. Well, Shane is going to defend her belt, but uh, that's it so far. When and when is this? Uh, is this for January. Royal Rumble? January? Yeah, Royal, Rumble, Royal okay. Rumble weekend. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, cool. Lots of stuff coming on in NXT, but let's head over and talk about 205 Live. Uh, we had a match with Brian Kendrick, the Brian Kendrick versus Drew Gallagher. Excuse me. I wrote that wrong. It's actually uh, the versus uh, Gulak. Drew, I'm sorry. Drew, Drew Gulak. Gulak. Yeah. I was, <laughs> uh, sorry. I had, you, I had. You tricked me, sir. I had, I had uh, Gallagher on the brain, apparently. Him and his del- his sweet sweet mustache. No, this was uh, uh, Gallagher did get involved in this. He came out at the end to force the right. DQ. Got involved. Um, Akira Tozawa came out for the save. He ended up taking a headbutt for his troubles. I I don't know. I kind of wanted to see a resolution between uh, Brian Kendrick getting his revenge against Drew Gulak for betraying him. I don't know. This should be a tag feud, but 
I like all the four guys who are working here. It's just not it's not flipping my wig, but yeah. it's a bunch of good wrestling, a bunch of good character work, so I can't be too mad at it. Uh, we also I would love to see I would love to see Brian Kendrick and, and Jack Gallagher have a feud just on their own and go off and, and do that. And you know, as Brian since Brian Kendrick flipped, I, I just yeah. I want to see those two continue to well, work. Well, I think that's the only way we're gonna we're gonna get to see them working together is in a tag team right now. So yeah, uh, we had Arya Davari have his first match back from injury against Clay Roberts, poor little enhancement guy who got taken who? apart. Taken apart by Arya Davari. He beat the crap out of him. Wouldn't of let him. He did. Oh, dude, he, the ref had to stop the match. And of course, Hideo Itami's in the back watching his new protege. Uh, I like the fact that this makes Itami look scary by association. Itami's yep. saying, uh, I will teach you the ways of winning. And uh, Davari is taking his advice and killing dudes. So it's, a good, it's good for Davari. He needs to have a new uh, look at his character. And this is a good way to do it. It's good for Atami. It makes him look good by, by reputation. So uh, the main match of 205 Live this week was Lucha House Party having another uneven match. Tornado tornado tag rules against TJP and Mike ben, uh, Canellis. Um, Wait, but, this wasn't Lucha House Party rules? No, it was a tornado tag match, which is basically the same thing. It's just which is makes, kind of the same. Exactly. <laughs> it's the same thing. Just, you know, actually has rules. They don't just change the rules on the fly. Uh, Maria uh, Canellis got involved in this a lot, uh, so it did feel like two and a half versus three. But the Luchadors did pick up the win. I I keep saying this. I feel like TJP and uh, uh, and Mike need to get a third member here. I, I just this two on three thing with the Lucha House Party on Raw and here it it just keeps me. I love all of them. I love them, but it just it does drive me nuts. It does run me nuts. It does make me feel yeah. like they're they're overwhelming their opponents as opposed to winning, you know, like like faces should. I don't know. Marisland. Yeah. yeah um, right. <laughs> a couple more little things. What's about going on in the uh, title picture with uh, with Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy? Aren't yeah. they going to have a match? Um, well, th- it looks like they're heading back towards Cedric and Murphy, but next week they both have individual singles matches, so they're going to face off against individual guys that Drake Maverick's going to pick for them. Uh, Noam Dar said he wants a match against Buddy Murphy, so we may see Noam Dar versus Buddy Murphy. Um, I'd be in for that. Uh, we saw it last week. It was really good. I'd love to see it again. Um, we also had a little bit of wordplay on Murphy's part saying that uh, Cedric was not as good as Mustafa Ali, and that apparently stuck in Ooh. Cedric's craw. Mustafa Ali says that he's ready to fight anyone, anywhere. You, you know, when you fail, you pick yourself up. He obviously recently lost to Buddy Murphy in the title picture. So we might see Cedric versus Ali again, which is always a barn burner. We may see Dar versus Murphy next week on our way to possibly another Cedric and Murphy feud for the title. So good stuff over on 205 Live. Still a very watchable show. Yeah, it's, it's uh, feeling a little thin these days, if I'm being honest. If, if they're going to yeah. continue that without just circling the drain with the same cast of characters in and around each other, they're going to need to beef that division up a little bit. And yeah, it needs like it needs a, a really electrifying person in there. Like They've got a bunch of incredible talents. Uh, but they need like an Enzo in there to really make it work. I'm totally kidding. Oh, my God. It, I, don't, <laughs> totally I was going to say they need to go pay Neville whatever he wants to bring him back. Well, that's a, that goes without saying. Yeah. Uh, moving over to the Mixed Match Challenge, we had a couple of uh, uh, very interesting developments. So Asuka and Miz advance, and so do Car- – they, they beat Naomi and Jimmy Uso. We kind of saw that coming. Asuka right. taps out Naomi here. But we also had a match between Carmella and R-Truth and Jeff Hardy and Charlotte. And I thought Jeff Hardy and Charlotte were a shoe in, but I was wrong. 
because our truth rolled up Jeff Hardy for a win. What? <laughs> what? Okay, so now our semifinals: Asuka and Miz next week versus Carmella and our truth, and then you've got uh, Bailey and Finn Balor versus Alicia Fox and Jinder Mahal. So who goes to the finals and who wins the whole thing? Nick, we'll call it right now. Let's do it right now. Everything in my head tells me Oscar <laughs> and Miz, but I have a sneaky gut feeling with what they did with Charlotte going over Charlotte and uh, and and Finn Balor. I'm sorry, not Finn Balor. Um, I can't. Who's Charlotte with? Jeff Hardy. It's Jeff Hardy. Thank you. With Carmella and our truth going over Hardy and Charlotte. I'm wondering if they're going to do something sneaky here and just have Carmella and our truth win the whole damn thing. I the same thing I thought they could easily pull that off. If you have our uh, truth pull the same thing on the Miz next week, he's the weak link of Oscar and Miz, and then in the finals, I, I, whether it's Bailey Bailey going out to Carmella like a sneak thing, or Finn Balor getting snuck up on by Truth, or if there's something that happens with Alicia Fox and Jinder Mahal, where there's some shenanigans and they end up going over, and then they're easy pickings for Carmella and our truth. That way, you don't have a face face matchup in the finals. Yeah. I think there's there's a distinct possibility that Carmel and R-Truth could go all the way on this. I think they showed their hand this week by putting them over Charlotte and, and Jeff Hardy. So Yeah, I, they might. They might be. So interesting things to consider. We'll see what happens next. Let's move on over and talk about New Japan really quickly. Yes. As we said, the finals of the World Tag Team Tournament uh, are this weekend. So we'll talk about it in length, at length next week. I'll get, we'll have more time to talk about it. Yeah. But really quickly, going into the finals, we're down to our last four teams. A lot of teams have been eliminated. Uh, Jeff Cobb and Michael Elgin are out. They had a big comeback and ended up getting 16 points at the end. They were, they were getting murdered at the beginning. Chucky e. T and Beretta, the, I said the last week, the best friends were splitting up. Toru Yanu, thank goodness he is the real ace, the real ace of the world. <laughs> He came in and fixed the best friends. They're back on the same page again. They actually Aww. beat the champs this week. Chucky e. T and Beretta beat Gorillas of Destiny. They uh, they did beat the champs this week. So good yes. job, boys. Your picks, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi, fell off hard at the end. Uh, only have 14 points. They are also eliminated. And we don't need to talk about the rest. But the, the four teams that are on top, Evil and Sonata with 18 points. Lance Archer and Davey Boy Smith Jr. with 18 points. Uh, on tomorrow, they face off. Winner goes to the finals. Tamatonga, Tongaloa, Gorillas of Destiny, they are also with 18 points versus Toru Yanu, the real ace, and Tomohiro Ishii, 1-4-1, Pitbull go all the stuff. It's all interesting the that all four points. of the top teams are all 9-3 with 18 points. There's yeah, nobody all, that's all, like a clear tied. standout nope. favorite. No, but that way also, you know, whoever wins, wins definitively. Yeah, right, exactly. There's so it's, it's almost like you're I, starting at zero with the finals, with the semifinals. Exactly. So it's. I mean, we we could be looking at Gorillas of Destiny versus Evil and Sonata again. I would say that's probably the likely pick. Yeah. Not as exciting, but that's possible. I didn't want that uh, to happen, but I. That's probably what's going to happen. Right. Um. That being said, it could be Toroyano and Ishii. Ishii and Toroyano could pull it out. Uh, beat the Gorillas of Destiny, which would mean they get a, a a rematch in the future, and then they go on and, and lose to Evil and Sonata in the finals. So there's there's still some some swerves they could pull here, but uh, could be a lot of fun. We'll find out tomorrow night. Yes. So as I said, the best friends are fixed, but Jay White said that he does have a mole in chaos. So the question is, who is going to turn heel in chaos and join Jay White over in Bullet Club OGs? Is it Okada? That's the question. 
I don't think it's so. I, that would be ridiculous if Okada, <laughs> that's the, why the I lead, like one of the lead guys in chaos. I I think it could be Toru Yanu. Uh, I think that would Toru, be Toru, Toru could Toru could scare everybody. Ishii would be really fun if he turned out to be the bad guy. Um, you know, there's a lot of possibilities. A lot of guys in chaos could, could be revitalized by turning heel and joining joining Bullet Club. So, damn, uh, we'll see. I don't know. <sighs> I, I think Chucky e. T was Chucky e. T was the the obvious choice, right? And then Trent Trent Beretta, I think, would be a slightly less obvious choice. But I, I don't know. I'm excited. They're yep. get, they're getting me hyped for the next month of New Japan. Oh, and we are one month away, less than one month away from Wrestle Kingdom uh, at this point. <laughs> let it happen <laughs> well Ian let's uh let's get out of here but before we do we have some quick lightning round other news that we want to throw at your faces beep 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 lightning round go for it sir okay so we have not really addressed this on this show and if you've made it this deep into the show thank you for sticking with us all elite wrestling if you haven't heard of it and because we haven't talked about it that is a it's a little something-something that Matt and Nick Jackson have gone and put in a patent for. They have filed a patent for All Elite Wrestling. That would be the wrestling promotion started by them early next year. It is currently the scuttlebutt is that they will start their own wrestling promotion with all of the talent they've amassed. Uh, it would be an association, supposedly, with Ring of Honor, uh, much like how they did All In, where they basically it would be kind of like All In ongoing. And one of the things that came out this week as an interesting uh, adjunct to that is that Chris Jericho has been saying that he ain't got shit to do the first four months of next year. And he said it was by design. He wants to keep his options open. He says that he could go to Impact. He thinks he could have a lot of good matches in Impact. Obviously, he's worked extensively with the Young Bucks, whether it's a Jericho Cruise or All In, Kenny Omega, working in New Japan. So there is a lot of pieces not currently on the chessboard, but hovering right over it, waiting to drop into the right place. Uh, I think we're probably going to do a special episode just on the possibilities of All Elite Wrestling. So I don't want to get into it now because it is the lightning round. But keep your eyes peeled in the beginning of 2019. Could be enormous things on the horizon there. I think they should have just called it All In. Just That would have been the name. Just like Monday Night Raw, All In. And just have that be the uh, well, name they, of the promotion. they've already... But the thing is, they already ha- I think All In would be their pay-per-views, and they've already got the, the patent for that, so this is just another name that they're trying to hold on to. Got it. That's what they're, they're, they're saying. No, oh, no, we're just trying to protect ourselves in the future. We don't know what we're going to do, but we're just trying to protect ourselves just in case. Right. All the elite people are sticking together. So anyway, lots of stuff we're going to talk about probably in a bonus episode, which you can get a hold of by going to patreon.com forward slash BWO. Other, other big news, Ring of Honor news, PCO and our boy from, from PWG, Brody King, both signed with Ring of Honor this week, depending on, depending on, what, on what, uh, what news source you get. Uh, there was either PCO signs and Brody King or Brody King signs and PCO. It was pretty entertaining to look at all the different sites. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really exciting. Between, between the two of them and former PWG champion Jeff Cobb. I'm very excited about uh, some of the possibilities in the future of Ring of Honor. Uh, speaking of some local guys that we've seen here in, in PWG and bar wrestling, bar wrestling happened this week. Brian Cage, the uh, the Wolverine, the machine, Brian Cage, Swolverine. He proposed to his baby mama, Melissa Santos. You might know her, know her better as the ring announcer for Lucha Underground. 
he proposed at bar wrestling yeah uh, last night night before last this week so ah, the feels very adorable they do make a cute couple yep. speaking of cute couples uh, another couple another wrestling couple got married this week alistair black married zelina vega in the huh files and the <laughs> if you didn't if you didn't know that they were a couple and they have been for a while they, they do seem like uh, diametric opposites but apparently not wasn't she with austin aries there for a while that was a while back and apparently she does not have good memories of it and if you've ever heard austin aries be interviewed you know probably why yeah so, okay uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to put up with his vegan bullshit either. But, anyway, oh, moving on. Jeez, <laughs> vegan stuff is not actually. Man, he's he's nowhere as bad as as uh, as some people. Uh, was uh, whoa, what was it? Someone this week came out on Twitter and was just a a, a vegan nightmare. Um, I'll, that is, I'll post was that their wrestling name. No, 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 no. They, uh, sh- she was one of the competitors in, in the May Young Classic last year. I'm forgetting her name. I feel terrible. I don't, I didn't want to talk about it if I was going to forget her name. But because uh, anyway, I'll, I'll post that in the Facebook discussion group. She was a psycho vegan this week and got called out by a few people. Anyway, there's worse than Austin Aries out there. Okay. Uh, Jake Strong, also known as Jack Swagger, was to, going to debut in Bellator in 2019. So how about coming or he was going to debut? You said, no, sorry. He is going to debut. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's going to debut in Bellator in 2019. Interesting man going to shoot fighting. Uh, that's right. Right. Kind of like, interesting choice to my friend. You're the current champion Lucha underground. You're going to go shoot fight. All right. Uh, (laughs) speaking, speaking of other wrestling, uh, at, at York hall on February 15, 2019, it has been booked pack. Versus Will Ospreay. Uh, that that deserves horns mm. and a drum roll. Just oh my god. Uh, I'm, tw- uh, I'm just twitching. Just oh my goodness. Oh my god. Yeah, I I really hope that we can get that streamed somehow because or find it on YouTube or something. Because I, mean, I, need I got to see I got, got a match. couple of months to figure it out, but we might try and do a little watch party thing uh, for patrons. That's one of the things I wanted to try and do in 2019. So that might be the debut of it. Uh, do a fun mm-hmm. little private watch party uh, where we can watch it all together. So we'll see if we can work that out. Right. Totally. I, I would love to, I would love to check that out. By the way, I, I forgive my brain fart earlier. It was Kimberly who oh, uh, yeah. was the was the crazy vegan on Twitter. You can go look on Twitter and find that out. It was, I unfollowed it was her a long time ago. She, is, she was wild. Uh, speaking of Pac, he just won the Dragon Gate, Open the Dream Gate title. He's now the number one singles title wearer in, uh, in Dragon Gate already. Man <sighs> is back with a vengeance. Uh, he defeated like Mas- two weeks. <laughs> two months, but yeah, he defeated yeah. Masato Yoshino for the top singles title in Dragon Gate. He is already on a roll in the indies, as, and that's, which is not surprising at all. Um, something else that I guess in hindsight is not surprising. WWE... Uh, for the WrestleMania weekend, they switched the dates of TakeOver and the Hall of Fame ceremony. Originally, the Hall of Fame was going to be on the Friday, April 5th. Now it's going to be on Saturday, and TakeOver will be moved to Friday the 5th. That's a, a that's their way of competing with the Madison Square Garden uh, Impact New Japan Super Show that's going on in opposition to the WrestleMania weekend. So, shots fired back yep. across the bow by WWE. Uh, finally this week, a little bit of XFL news. It's kind of, you know, it's a little bit wrestling, right? It's Vince McMahon. Yeah. Uh, they announced the cities that the XFL will be in. Uh, the eight teams of the XFL will be in New York at the MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. 
in Dallas at the Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas. At Houston, so there's two Texas teams. Interesting. Houston at the TDECU Stadium in Houston, Texas. In L.A., here in L.A., in lovely, sunny, actually, it's not sunny right now, it's raining, but sunny, usually L.A., at the StubHub Center in Carson. Oh, no. Okay. It's where the Chargers are playing right now. It's a glorified uh, yeah. soccer field in the middle of a field of refineries. Yeah. I feel so not, bad for Chargers players, fans. It's not, it's not good. Uh, in St. Louis, we announced this last week at the Dome at America Center in St. Louis. Uh, Seattle at the CenturyLink Field. Nice. In Seattle. Uh, in Tampa Bay at the Raymond James Stadium. And in Washington, D.C. at the Audi Field. Uh, so those are your eight cities that are getting XFL teams. It's going to be starting in February 2020, or just over a year away. And they have said that they are going to be quoting, uh, quote, concentrating on increasing meaningful on-field action, the speed of the game. They want to create more in-game rhythm and flow, and they also want to improve player safety. So uh, that is that are their, that's their goals for XFL. Uh, there's a lot more about the press conference that came out, but we don't have time to talk about this, and we're a wrestling show, not a football show. So, right, you can just wanted to throw it out there. I, I can make some recommendations for good football shows if you guys would like to listen to them. Let me know in the Facebook discussion group. But one more thing before we get off of this, uh, that's just that get back to wrestling. Is Vince McMahon's going to be off doing the XFL? He's obviously he's delegated a bunch of people to to work on this. Oliver Luck, I believe, is his CEO, uh, but. That means his attention is going to be off on the XFL towards the second half of 2019, right as his product WWE is moving to Fox with SmackDown uh, and Raw. Everything's going to be shaken up right around the time that Vince is going and having to work hard with XFL. He might be able to pull it off, and then as soon as it goes to you know the new TV deal, jump over to XFL and work on that for the next four months. But basically, it's going to be really interesting to see how many balls Vince McMahon can keep juggling in the air how many brass rings can this man keep in the air at once that's gonna be <laughs> the real point. question or can he just hand over hand off to triple h and we call it a day and we can all move on i'm not gonna say we're all hoping for that but i'm not not gonna say that right because i think we all are <laughs> well guys that's our show next week we are going home for tlc as well as ring of honor's final battle will raw get better probably not i hope so is that smackdown so. live i want it to be fun? good I want Probably. it to be good. There's, there's good stuff on Raw. I want it to get better. Come on. It's not hard. Make it better. Ugh. Who's going to win the New Japan Tag Team belts? Evil uh, Sonata. Well, it's not the belts. It's, it's the chance, the opportunity the at the belts. World Tag League Championship. Yeah, the World League Championship. Yeah. I'm saying Evil and Sonata. There is a lot of stuff to come back for. Please be sure and tune in every Thursday as this show goes out. We have a new one for your faces. Ah, but that's well, always right now, come and join us over. Right now, it's for your ears. It's for your ears. It's for your ears, but it will be live again soon, right, Nick? We're going to be live again soon on YouTube where they can see it in their faces. I'm doing fingers crossed if FedEx will actually deliver my packages that I'm ordering so that I can get this <laughs> stuff set up finally. It's really I, I difficult. Gotta, Since we've got ooh. a couple of spare minutes here, I'll, I'll pontificate on this. <clears throat> it's been really difficult moving into a brand new place with new construction. Try getting an Uber. Try getting a pizza delivered when your when your address is not on the map anywhere. It's not recognized by the DMV or the post office. 
But it's real. I promise it's my address. So I can only imagine the troubles that the FedExes and uh, UPSs of the world have. I'm just imagining them like circling your house like lost homing pigeons, like eventually running out of gas and just falling off the side of the road, and your package never getting delivered. It's just like rotting in a FedEx car off the off in the off in the the, the bushes on the side of the road. I've I've called FedEx three to five times a day the past three days in a row. It was supposed to be here uh, yesterday, uh, and it's no. They have no idea where it's at. I mean, I've I've seen your Starship set up there that you already have. I can't even imagine what you're still waiting for. It, well, I haven't so. gotten to power the monitors up yet because I need the thing that FedEx still has so that uh, I can actually turn the monitors on. Anyway, so forgive my rage. Is- <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line is this. Uh, I need We're going to need to do some testing. we got to try out a couple of new services because we're remote now, and we got a lot of work to do. Uh, in that respect, but I'm hoping turn of the holidays. I'm hoping we come out come in out of twenty into twenty nineteen back, back live. live. All right. Yep. Well, thank you. That everyone is for my sticking. hope and my plan and my target. We really appreciate everyone sticking with us through this transitional period. Obviously, we want to give you the best product possible, and we look forward to taking even more steps to give you that in the new year. We promise we will continue to get better and better and better, and find more fun things for everyone to do. So, thank you guys for sticking with us. We really do appreciate it. Yes, but in the meantime, head over to Facebook and join the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Uh, just send us a join request. You can hang out with all of the other Busted Wide Open fans that love being there, and we love those guys chatting with us all. All day every day uh, you can also follow us on twitter at bwo podcast uh, f- also subscribe to our youtube channel so that when we do go live you'll be ready and be sure to hit that notification bell to get alerted when we do uh, if you like this show and what we do head over to patreon.com slash bwo sign up for one of our awesome tiers that are there to get anything from a copy of the show notes listener questions uh, you can get some special bonus episodes that we know we're a couple behind on but we we're they're there. coming they're coming they are coming Transitional uh, very, period. Very, very soon. Yep. Transitional period. And, or some sweet, sweet swag. A lot of good stuff to uh, get up there. Yes, all kinds of good things. You can even get a Skype call with Nick and Ian once a month. Ooh. How about that? Hang Lucky out, you. Anything you want to, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Lucky us, I should say. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Th- that we'd get to hang out with some of our they get fans. To, they get I, to measure the length of your beard as it grows as well. Sure, sure. That's, yeah. that's an ongoing thing. Uh, yep. We're on to a little over two years now, and good this is what we God. got. It's terrifying. <laughs> It's going to look different than what you guys saw back in October uh, the last time you saw us live. So it's a life hit, of its hit, own. Wink, wink. Yes. That's life of its own. Yeah. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.